Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. 2,000 years ago, his words came to pass. AD 70, Jerusalem surrounded by armies. The temple destroyed. Sacrifices ceased. The end of the age. So where are we at on the prophetic timeline of history? Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And that we have been made kings and priests to reign here on earth. The Revelation Red Pill, the kingdom of God is now. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Welcome back to Revelation Red Pill Wednesday. We're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. We've got the one, the only, Jason Hedinger, Heidinger, Howdinger. How do you do, Dinger, in the house? <laughs> we were discussing his last name. You know, there's actually another Jason Heidinger in Ohio. Well, I mean, he's formerly from Ohio. It's like the strangest related. name ever. You have to be related somehow. Yeah, where, uh, where, where, where I've is, not met him somewhere it, along the family tree. What is your heritage? Where do you hail from? Germany. I knew Heidinger. it. Heidinger. Heidinger. Yes. We never know how to say it because it's spelled Heidinger. Hey. Hey. It is. <laughs> it was spelled H-E-I in Germany. Okay. Oh. But when it came through Ellis Island, somebody we weren't related to came first, so they changed ours to H E Y and said H E I. Okay. Yep. It right. happens. It happens. All right. So we've got Jason in the house. Jason, you and Rob Allen and Corey Gray did a show on Monday on Everybody the Kingdom Roundtable, which is literally Revelation Red Pill homework. Absolutely. To watch and to share it. It goes along with what we're going to talk about tonight. It does. It does. So first, right off the bat, Jason, after Monday night's show, give us some inside baseball. You told me and, and you told the whole group, you were like, you came off of that show and you were like heavy. Yeah. Like, no. Go ahead. Yeah, I came off there and I like, I kind of had a headache and I was just like, I don't know. All, all three of us were like, there's just a heaviness to it but the glory of god was on it and so i came out of here like tired but with a headache so i, I slept really good that night after that message because i've had that be happen before when i was actually in mongolia and we ministered there's just a heaviness and a weightiness in the glory and uh if you've not had that experience a lot of people when you're in it you'll feel like energized but then when you're done you're kind of like yeah. whoa what just happened yeah and that was definitely monday night can you uh, tell everybody who didn't see it what it what you guys covered? <laughs> kind of. Well, it was a sounding alarm for national repentance. And it one of the big things that we, as a nation, the perverseness that's pornography, child sex trafficking, has gotten so bad that it's actually becoming legalized. It's becoming national law that these things are okay. And so it's a national call of repentance for the church to repent because 50% of pastors are regularly using porn. 80% of guys are using pornography. And if you want to get all the stats, Corey did one, uh, porn is destroying us about a week and a half ago. He goes into all the stats. But the issue is pornography and everything that it ties to that, A, if you're a part of it, you have to repent of it and stop it. Like, you don't need a 12-step program. you got to repent, turn from your wicked ways, flee from that thing. As Paul writes, flee from all sexual morality. And the other thing that Corey laid out and we talked about is also 
the end times teaching, that false teaching and dealing with that. We have to repent of that. That has caused the church to be in a slumber where it's looking for hyper grace and saying, well, it has to get so bad. And now we're just waiting for it to get so bad. So if I participate, I'm just getting ripped out of here during the rapture. Right. And not all people that believe in the rapture think that way. I mean, I've been there where literally people that believe in end times say, hey, we need to get off the rapture bus stop and still live our lives. But there is a portion of the end times people that say, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to wait here yeah. until God rips me out. And what I do, it doesn't matter because grace covers everything. That hyper grace, yeah. universalistic mindset that has also came in with the end times approach. Absolutely. So uh, that, you know, you, when you hit on the hyper grace, that's really important because when we, as, as modern Christians, we look at the grace of God and we literally abuse it. Yeah. And we crucify Christ afresh. And so when we look at the sound of freedom and the sex trafficking, and like you guys talked about the pornography, all of the things that are pervasive in our society right now, it's because the church is actually preaching a message of hyper grace that the world has picked up on. Yeah. And what you guys um, really touched on was we do have hyper grace. We have such grace that God allows us to not sin. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Grace yeah. is so amazing. It's so hyper. It's so amazing. It's so all-encompassing that you literally don't have to sin. It fulfills us in such a way. And you guys were saying, grace is not... What, what did you guys say about grace? Well, a lot of people think grace is the covering for everything. But really, the grace that we have as believer is that it's an empowerment to not sin. It's the, actually the empowerment, not just to not sin, but to actually live a holy and righteous life. So yeah. it's the empowerment that we can. That's why Paul prayed, I crucify flesh, but the grace is sufficient for today, which what meant what? He wouldn't do the deeds of the flesh, which were yes. evil, demonic, but he would actually fulfill what's in his spirit because that grace that was sufficient for the day allowed him to live the way he was supposed to live, which would be living in union with Christ, which would be not sinning. Your grace is sufficient for your power is made known in my weakness. So when we, we yes, we are people who are, uh, we had a fallen nature and Christ empowers us not to sin. And so that kind of rolls into what I want to talk to tonight. There's a lot we can cover when we cover the seven churches. And I do want to go into a lot of the symbolism. And I think you guys will be really interested to learn um, some of the symbolism that's really cool in the seven churches. We're going to cover the, the, the letter here to the seven churches. But as we do, I want to just highlight one word and it's repent. It's used seven times wow. in two chapters to these seven churches. And you're going to see a, a, a kind of a re repetition of the number seven. Revelation is full, if, for all you people who love numbers, <laughs> Revelation's full of numbers and um the kind of numerology of what does one number mean. A couple episodes ago, we covered the seven golden candlesticks, which represented the seven churches. And what, do the, what does that represent? That represents the church as a whole. And then we cover the seven spirits of God and the attributes of God taking us back to Isaiah. So if you didn't see that episode, it may not quite make as much sense because uh, I don't want to, you know, over overdo it. But recognizing that, the seven candlesticks were uh, the like representative of the menorah and the menorah sometimes you could see maybe representative of a tree 
and in Jew we're going to talk about the tree of life. We're going to talk about these different symbolisms. But when uh, pastors preach the book of Revelation and they talk about Laodicea and the lukewarm church, and I'm going to spew you out of my mouth and all these different things. The way Revelation is, is taught, I want to read from an introduction here of David Chilton's book, um, The Days of Vengeance here. Uh, the greatest enemy of the early church was apostate Israel, um, the, the, Jew, the Jewish people who were not accepting Jesus Christ. They actually used the power of the pagan Roman Empire to try to stamp out Christianity, just as it had used Rome in the crucifixion of the Lord himself. St. John's message in Revelation was that this great obstacle to the church's victory over the world would soon be judged and destroyed. His message was contemporary, not futuristic. Some will complain that this interpretation makes Revelation irrelevant to our age. A more wrong-headed idea is scarcely imaginable. Are the books of Romans and Ephesians irrelevant just because they were written to believers in the first century? Should 1 Corinthians and Galatians be dismissed because they dealt with first century problems? Is not all scripture profitable for believers in every age? Actually, it's the futurists who have made the, the revelation irrelevant. For on the futurist hypothesis, which is the modern end times belief that everything in Revelation is happening today right now, the book has been inapplicable for, from the time it was written until the 20th century. Only if we see Revelation in the terms of its contemporary relevance, is it anything but a dead letter. From the outset, St. John stated that his book was intended for the seven churches, which are in Asia. And to let you know what Asia was, it wasn't the whole continent. It was the um, the Roman consular of Asia. There it was uh, the, and my, the, uh, I love my archaeological Bible for this because that's where I got this from today. Um, the new... Proconsular Asia in the New Testament times was the Roman province that contained the southwestern part of Asia Minor, and in particular, the seven churches which are in Asia. And while we're going over this, could you just bring up maybe an image of the seven churches of Revelation? People can see where they were, kind of a, a map. Addressed to the first three uh, chapters in Revelation, the New Testament, the word Asia occurs 19 times, always referring to this division, not to the whole continent or even to Anatolia. Its capital was Ephesus, where both Paul and John had labored. Very interesting. John lived out the rest of his life with Mary, the mother of Jesus, in Ephesus. Just a little piece of history there. But back to uh, uh, David Chilton real quick as we're... Where'd you go, bro? Here he is. Many of them, in, so remember that we're talking to the the early church, okay? This is what's really important to me because when we understand that this book was written to literal people, it actually for us has more application because in the fulfillment of these things, we can see how God and how Christ works with people who are persecuted, with the, with churches who are lukewarm, um, we can apply this better, Jason, I believe, to our lives today when we see Revelation as fulfilled in AD 70 than we could as trying to piece it all together as applying right now. Am, am I correct? Yeah, instead of looking for the signs of saying this is going to be what's happening to us, because that's what the people that believe Revelations isn't fulfilled. One of the key lines you said is Revelation isn't futuristic, but that's still what... A lot of the people in the times, it is a futurist. So you're always looking at the signs in the world going, oh, is this it? Is this it? You're always trying to pull something 
when it's not there. Yeah. And so that's the problem is, but when you realize it's fulfilled, like you said, I love how you said it. And even the Old Testament, that's something I've just learned really in the last couple of the months. Is he looking at the Old Testament as, yes, it's fulfilled, but it s- still shows God's heart and character. Yes. Yes. And how he deals with his children yeah. when they're obedient, yeah. when they're disobedient, how he yeah. deals with enemies of his children. Yeah, that's good. And you even see that in Revelation. So to bring that what you brought out is huge. Knowing that it's fulfilled gives me how do I walk through when I'm persecuted? Because Jesus said, you'll have what? You'll have tribulations. You'll have persecution. Yeah. And I don't know a believer if they're honest with themselves that doesn't yeah. have that. So. Yeah knowing this is fulfilled and how they handled it allows us to go, okay, they handled it that way. Lord, how do we handle this? Because if God did it for them, he'll do it again. Oh, that's, oh, that's so really good. good. That's, that's, that's the, the key. Essence. Yes, exactly. Now, Jason, your screen's frozen. I'm going to pull up this map of the churches. If you want to exit out of the Zoom call and come back in, it should unfreeze you. Okay. Okay, but we can hear you. Um, so when St. John stated that his book was intended for the seven churches, which are in Asia, that's, uh, right there in, um, four, one verse four, we must assume that, uh, he meant what he said. He clearly expected that even the most difficult symbols in the prophecy could be understood to his first century readers. Not only did he imply that his book was written with the 20th century in, um, Not once did he imply that his book was written with the 20th century in mind and that Christians would be wasting their time attempting to decipher it until the Schofield Reference Bible would be the best-selling author. So Michelle is showing you um, the different, where the different churches are uh, there in quote unquote Asia. And maybe you can bring up different maps to kind of show people maybe as we, as we keep going. Oh, you're back. Awesome. So the contemporary Can you hear nature. Me? Yes, we're good. You. Yeah. So the okay. contemporary nature of Revelation will uh, uh, be our kind of defense as we go through today. And I just kind of want to start in chapter two, and I want to read the first letter and the message to the Ephesians. Could um, somebody, anybody, Jason, do you have um, a Bible with you? Read yeah, verse. but it's the Passion Translation, so let That's me... Fine. It might not be horrible. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, it's no, it's fine. I'm sure people will get a lot out of it. Just Could you read the uh, message to the Ephesians? I think it's 1 verse 7. Chapter 1 through yes, 7. Yes, I can. Ch- yeah, chapter 2 or chapter Chap- 1? It's chapter 2. Chapter one 2, chapter one two verse 1 through 7. Yeah. I do have three other Bibles here. It's just this one I had open to Revelation. You're good. You're good. So Christ's letter to Ephesus. Write the following to the messenger... Of the congregation of Ephesus. For these are the words of the one who holds the seven stars firmly in his right hand, who walks among among the seven golden lampstands. I know all that you've done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you didn't I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and proved they are not, for they were imposters. I also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecution because of my name. Yet you have not become discouraged. Oh, But I have this against you. Hmm. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. Hmm. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from the place of influence if you do not repent. Mm. although 
to your credit, you despise the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also despise. The ones whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying now to all the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will give access to feast on the fruit of the tree of life that is found in the paradise of God. Oh, this is so good. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of uh, break this down a little bit. When we're looking at these letters, it you're going to see something, kind of a pattern uh, reveal itself. And in this pattern, you're going to see a greeting. Uh, it's repeated seven times uh, to the angel of the church that is in. And uh, we kind of covered this in some of our other shows. That angel means messenger. Most likely that means whoever was the minister to read it out loud. And then there's kind of some sort of descriptive uh, way of describing Christ, and it's different. And it's like, I don't know why he did it this way, but I think that what he was saying, what, what you're going to see in these letters to the seven churches is kind of the whole body of Christ, the whole, the wholeness of Christ. And so he's revealing a piece of himself to each of, of part, each, each of the churches. And I'm going to take that a little bit um, further. And I'm going to say there are, we're all different kinds. We're all different parts of the body. And you're going to see part of Christ a little bit differently than I do. That happens all the time. And actually. Jason, you're going to see him a little bit differently than I do. And when we are together as the whole body, then we see Christ. So um, you see uh, Christ being described as the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the, uh, the, the golden candlesticks. And we covered the, uh, the seven stars and the golden candlesticks, but he's walking in, in amidst, and we're going to cover kind of the candlesticks, which is the churches. So this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? And so, so Jesus is the one and he's walking amongst us. That is huge. And you could almost like do a whole sermon on he's walking amongst us. It's really comforting. That is actually really, really comforting. Well, it also goes back to what we talked about last week, which was Eden. Because before you couldn't walk with, you, after the fall of Adam and Eve, right? we no longer walk with God, did we, Jason? Like, God didn't walk with us, and now he walks amongst us. Like, that's yep. huge. Yeah. And that's that's the, one of my favorite scriptures. He knew the beginning from the end. Yeah. And at some point, I will do the my whole thing. I have a graph but from the kingdom garden to the kingdom garden 2.0. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're really getting. He walks with us again like he did with Adam. And that's where we got to realize that we need to get back to mm -hmm. the garden. Yeah, no, that's so good. And when we're talking about this, this, so I want you to picture, maybe you can bring up a menorah or something. So you're talking about this lampstand and it kind of represents a tree. And if you've ever known any Jewish people, Jewish people are obsessed with trees, the tree of life going back to the garden. And you'll see that Jesus is now the tree of life. And when they got kicked out of the garden, they couldn't eat from the tree of life. That means death entered into the world. And now we can eat of the tree of life. And so uh, the one lampstand, this stylized tree of the Old Testament is now Christ, the tree of life, with his seven lampstands. Before in the Old Testament, the church had a centralized national character, and the unity of the particular congregations of Israel was focused geographically in Jerusalem. But that is no longer the case. 
the church, the new Jerusalem has been geographically and nationally decentralized or better multi-centralized. The church is still a seven, still uh, a unity, but what holds it together is not a special holy piece of real estate. The unity of the church is centered on Jesus Christ. The church is no longer tied to one place for it has it been sent into the world to take dominion for the universal king. Um, and that is why he is walking amongst these seven golden candlesticks. So wherever these candlesticks are, Jesus is, and that's where his territory there is. There are several pictures here that I'm showing everyone right now that are very interesting to see, like the son of God walking with clouds and seven candlesticks that are, you know, lit up. So I like these. I like the imagery that people have come together as you know artists to try so to create. this is gonna blow your mind when we're reading these letters i want you guys to think of something um we are going to see the great king's relationship with the vassal reminding him of the lord's authority and the covenant faithfulness and the way i looked at this is we are now not citizens per se but we are now what you would see. A king would often have vassal states, people who like ruled under him. Okay. We are now rulers under him. A king wouldn't necessarily go and make a covenant with the people. A king goes and makes covenants with people who are going to serve him and kind of rule under him. And now we rule under him. And he makes this, um, you can look at like, England would go and they would have, he, England would have like Scottish vassal kings and you would make a covenant. And if you do this, like the king of England is the king of England, the king of the United Kingdom, right? And he rules, he's, he, he rules all. But if you follow this, 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 then he will give you this rule, this authority and these blessings. And then you rule right here. Okay. So the king of kings is here. Okay, so the King of England is here, and then you've got these Scottish, like, vassals or whatever underneath of him. And he makes a covenant with them. And what you're going to see throughout us reading um, Revelation is what you're seeing here is he says, um, if you do this, then I'll do this. And what you see is if you don't, I'm going to take your candlesticks from you. I'm going to take your leadership from you. I'm going to take this from you because he's king and he has the ability to do that. He's taking your candlestick away. Okay, but he's not talking to just citizens in general. He's talking to, he is the king of kings. He is the leader of leaders. And now we are leaders, but Jason, if we don't uphold our end of this bargain that he made with us, we didn't go to him, hey, I'm going to, uh, usually when you make a treaty, somebody comes with a request, another person comes with a request. No, he, as a king, he, he lays it out. This is what you're going to do. This is how this is going to happen. And God is so good that he, he brings these, these wonderful things to us. So, uh, so he walks with us. He goes, I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you cannot bear them, which are evil. So they're in Ephesus. Ephesus was the seat of the Artemis cult. Uh, they, every single, pretty much every single one of these churches was a seat of some sort of Roman cult. A little bit different in different Don't just say cult because that to me diminishes it. When you're talking about Artemis, she was this goddess that was worshipped to the point of being able to change genders. People devoted their entire lives to, the, to yeah. this god. She had, um, you know, priests who did sexual sacrifices and all yeah. of this. I mean, this was an intense hotbed yeah. of paganism. Yeah, yeah. 
And so there's much evil around it's demonic. Him. And it's hard. And he's like, I can't bear. I was having a conversation with somebody today saying, I can't bear the evil. Well, let's let's go and see what what did he say? What did what did Jesus say to those who couldn't bear evil? Um, he says, I know you. I know your labor. I know your patience and how you cannot bear them which are evil. And uh, you have tried them which say they are apostles and are, are not. And you have found them to be liars. Interesting, Jason. Do you have anything to say about trying people who are apostles and are liars? <laughs> or do we just accept it? Because uh, honestly, right now, the church just pretty much accepts everybody. Either that or... It it's kind of like, it's like a dichotomy. Like there's a lot of hate on one hand. You can see because people call other people out, like mostly non-Christians. Yeah. But like, I don't see truly calling out false apostles the way it should be done. Well, it's funny. I pulled up James 3.1 as I was preparing. Not many of you should become teachers. <laughs> In one translation, not many of you should become Basically, part of the fivefold, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's right. That applies to all the fivefold apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Mm -hmm. If you're going to step into that place, you're judged. Mm. I said it, judged. People hate that word to yeah. a higher standard because I, just as I'm responsible for my kids, if I'm going to step into a place of servanthood, Servanthood leadership within the body of Christ. If I harm those children, which would be the people that I'm over, I'm going to be responsible for the blood. Even mm -hmm. um, if you do righteous and you serve them righteously and you warn them. One of the scriptures we read on Monday night was if you warn them and they do not heal, the blood is on them. But if you do not warn them, the blood's on you as a teacher, yeah. prophet, evangelist. And so I would say... They're in their lying, being a false apostle, whatever it is, they'll be judged for that. And well, as we see that, we're to call that out yeah. as to not lead a child astray. Yeah. Yeah. And we're seeing this in, in the that, churches right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. So this goes in with the next couple of scriptures where it says, um, uh, you have born and you have had patience for my name's sake. You've labored and you didn't faint. Nevertheless, I have something against you because you have left your first love. Remember, uh, therefore, uh, where, where you were fallen from and repent. There's that word repent. I want everybody to, to circle that repent, repent, repent. This is, there is a constant place of repentance because he gives in uh, to the church today. There's a lot of people, you're doing a lot of things, but in, in many ways, we have left our first love, and he gives kind of a, a little in, insight into what, what that is in a second. He says, and do your first works, or else I will come to you quickly, Jason. And we're going to talk about that word quickly, which means this is a contemporary thing that's going to happen, and we see that happening in Revelation. And I will remove your candlestick out of your place, except you repent, meaning you're not going to be a church anymore. You are not going to be, you're not going to have your authority. You're not going to reign as a king and a priest. I'm taking your candlestick from you. Like, this is a really huge big deal unless you repent. And what you guys were talking about, um, you you were talking about repenting of using the fiat dollar. You were talking about uh, repenting from pornography. You're talking about repenting from going along with the LGBT nonsense. We have to, Jason, we have to call out what are we should be repenting from. And he calls this out and he says, but uh, this you have. 
uh, that you, um, but this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So who were the Nicolaitans? The Nicolaitans were a heretical sect within the church that had worked out a compromise with pagan society. Mm. Does anybody see that? Uh -oh. Okay, I worked out a compromise with the pagan society. They apparently taught that spiritual liberty allowed them to practice idolatry and immorality. Tradition wow. identifies them with Nicholas, the um, uh, the pro uh, proselyte of Antioch, who was purported to be one of the first seven deacons in Jerusalem church. That's from Acts 6-5, though the evidence uh, for... Uh, this claim is merely circumstantial. A similar group of per at Pergamos held to the to the teachings of the Old Testament Balaam. And we're going to talk about that uh, when we get to Pergamum, though through whose influence the Israelites had eaten food, sacrificed to idols, and they committed fornication. Others at Thyatira were followers of the wicked queen Jezebel. From their heretical tendencies, it would appear that all three groups were Nicolaitans. A sect of Nicolaitans ex existed later among the Gnostics in the 3rd century, as it is known from church fathers of the time, Irenaeus, Clement of Alexandria, and Tertullian. It probably had its origin in the group condemned in Revelation. So uh, what we're going to talk about later where... Um, they um, Pergamos has a reference to holding to the to the doctrines of uh, uh, Balaam. Balaam uh, was hired by uh, the King Balak to curse Israel, and he couldn't curse Israel. He kept blessing them. So he comes up with this idea later. Balaam goes home kind of defeated and couldn't curse them. I, I was hired to do this and I couldn't, you know, I did this for money and God only let me bless them. So he came up with an idea. He said, I know how to, I know how to get them to be cursed by God. Let's get them to eat food sacrificed by idols. Let's sit down with them and let's eat food with them. And then we'll say, oh, by the way, this was sacrificed to idols and commit fornication. And so, um, Jason, do you have a real, a modern day interpretation of what food sacrifice to idols might mean to us today? And I don't mean to put you on the spot if you don't. I don't. As you were talking, the thing I was thinking of is the Jerusalem Council. Mm. They basically, after they met, they came with, don't eat food sacrifice, don't participate in uh, basically sexual perversion. Yes. And I'm drawing a blank on the third one. But basically what he's, the Nicolaitans were, were basically going against the three simple things that yes. they came out from the That's Jewish true. Council yeah. That said, for a Gentile to become a believer, these are all they had to do. Yeah. Okay. So let's make it. Let's make a good. Um, let's let's make a good comparison. So first of all, fornication. Basically, they're saying we're we're seeing that the LGBT nonsense. Um, we see. I see a lot of Christians. You know, Chris. Is it Chris Pratt who is the uh, Christian mm -hmm. guy? Um, I know he was posting pictures of himself sleeping. He's a he's the the Hollywood one of the Hollywood Christians. He's posting pictures of himself sleeping with his. Um, with Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter before they're married. And this is a compromise in the church that, oh, he's really great. And he talks about Jesus and he comes up and he, and, and yeah, okay, great. Um, but somebody has got to call out the fact that these Christians are like a lot of Christians call, call people who call themselves Christians sleep with and move in with people who before they're married. And nobody's calling it out. And you don't get your candlestick. <laughs> it gets taken away. You don't actually get to make... What it is, is you're not going to make a difference. Chris you Pratt, don't get your candlestick. You're not going to make a difference in this world. Like, you literally are not going to advance the kingdom. You may maybe hold back the tide a little bit. 
but you're not gonna you're not a shining light for him i'm gonna call out these christians it's not there they did they, there's a lot of christians well we didn't sleep together we didn't move in together but y'all went to second base and shortstop and round and third the mormons have something it's come called, on man Mormons have something they call it something weird. i will say if you are currently married and you did that, you can repent of it because well, sure, I wasn't saved. So just clarify that because I well, am one that may not. Have. Well, that's the whole point. This is this is this is the this is the church at Ephesus. Well, and here's yep. the thing: the church at Ephesus had had Paul as their pastor for three years. Yeah. Okay. And and here's the thing: they actually. The church at Ephesus hated the deeds of Nicolaitan, Nicolaitans. They knew better. They were taught better. Yeah. They had, um, like, John John also taught them. And so I'm not saying that that's the whole point. The word here is to repent. Yep. The word there is to come out and to be different and to not stay in that sin. Right? Yeah. And I feel like as Christians, we're so quick to be like, well, God loves you. God loves you. That... No, here's the thing. You weren't a Christian. That's the whole point. You weren't a Christian. That Nobody nobody expects non-Christians to do what Christians should do. Because <laughs> you can only do what, yeah. what God calls you to do, but by the grace of God. It's. I mean, the you, uh, first John is really clear that we can't even love without God. Mm. So God doesn't call perfect people. He calls people who are willing to be perfected. But if you're not willing to be perfected, he's going to take your candlestick away, right? He's going to take that away. Um, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. This is so awesome. We covered, we kind of covered Eden and paradise last year or last week. But do you want to kind of maybe talk about the redemption and how we live in Eden now? Or we should, as Christians, like we get the tree of life now, we get to eat of it, and that's that. that well, that's actually, Christ. read from Revelation two seven. The Passion Translation has a note okay. because the way this says is, um, "To the one who overcomes, I will give you access to the feast on the fruit of the tree of life that is found in the paradise, paradise of God." So the note actually says on two seven says, "The paradise of God is now found within the hearts." Of Jesus loving followers. Mm, that's oh, that's See so Song Song of Solomon's four, eleven through fifteen. The tree of life is Christ within you, mm. the hope of glory. The fruit of that tree is reserved for those who overcome. Yeah. So even when Christ is in you, what we still have to overcome the trials, tribulation. Otherwise, right. there is the if we don't repent, we still have the lampstand yeah. where we're walking in a fruitless garden. Wow. Yeah. That's, but we're called to repent. Yeah, it's he who overcomes. So repent and overcome. And that word overcome, where you're going to see it over and over again. And the way um, modern and times theologians will interpret this is they'll take these letters to the churches and they'll say, okay, so it's modern day right now. If you don't take the mark of the beast and you get raptured up, then you get all these things. And I want to hear, I want to tell you that. Every single thing that says he who overcomes, this is a spiritual thing. This is a pressing into the kingdom. And as we press into the kingdom, as we repent in our lives, then as we overcome and as we are overcomers, we get to eat of the tree of life all the time. We live out of Eden 
all the time. And you'll see that the blessings for each one of these churches, we get to walk in now, but there's a key word there. That's repent. Yep. Repent, and come out that, in the world. I just want to read, this actually has a note on repent. And the Greek word for repent is metanoia. and means more than simply changing one's mind. It means to take another mind. Wow. Every believer needs to wow. turn from his or her error and take another mind, take the mind of Christ. That's so good. I think that when That's we feel insane. like it's repent, it's like wow. we feel sorry. Scratch yeah. that from your vocabulary. Don't say that repentance means say you're sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Repentance means you take a different mindset on this. So if you were um, looking at pornography, then you don't like you have a different mindset like i would never do that anymore or i think a uh, good example would be a, a lot of people that were and i will just say it this way because it's the best way i can on the left mm, okay yes. after 2020 woke up and they repented they took on a completely different mind yeah and now they are for all intents and purposes on the right i know those are no that's the best terms, example like you know, That's so you a, take on a whole nother mindset. Yeah, you, when you wake up, it's like being red pilled. And you know what's really interesting? I'm red pilled on this. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> the, the the videos from people who have done that, yeah, are the ones that go the most viral because people want to hear from people who took on a different mind. Take on a different mind. I think we're gonna never say the word repent. Now I want to say take on a different mind. Yeah, because really it's good, way Jason. it's way more simple and easy to to do even right well in that once again by the grace of god we are empowered to have the mind of christ that's something that we're told is basically one of our inheritances that we will have the mind of christ so it's not something even that when i repent i'm turning and the grace has empowered me to have the gift of the mind of christ because yeah. it's 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 the daily bread yeah the mind of christ is the daily bread that we're to have yeah and so when I turn from my thoughts, what is good or bad, because really, if you look at the garden, and I think I just finally got what you were trying to get me to get to, there's a tree of life, and there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Hmm. And in the knowledge of good and evil is where we have comparison. This is good, better, and best. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm better than the person that's actually sleeping with the <laughs> child sex slave. I just watched it. Wow. So I'm good. They're hmm. going to hell. I, I'm good. Because I wasn't actually physically doing it. I was just watching on the screen. No, you were there. If Whoa. you lust in your heart, you have committed adultery. Whoa. Jason just said and you were there. Wow. <laughs> that was powerful. <laughs> that was prophetic. That's, that's crazy. No, you were there. You were there. Come on yeah. and feel it. Wow. Yeah, and you know but what? That is, yeah, go ahead. That is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That brought comparison. Yeah. Oh, I'm not as bad as them, so I must be good with God. No, you both can be bad with God because you're sp still both living from this tree yeah. of comparison. That's good. Because John Bevere wrote a book called Good versus, versus God. It mm -hmm. can be good in our minds. It can look good on paper. Your financial advisor can say it's the best thing, and it yeah. still not be God. and still cause death because it's from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and it's not tied to the righteousness of God because we're called to seek first the kingdom of God and yeah. his righteousness. Yeah. And that comes from a repentant heart. That's so good. Oh, that's so awesome. 
So I want to go on to um, the Church of Smyrna. And again, uh, we're going to see another part of Christ. Um, if you read Revelation 1, guys, and you'll see how Christ is described. And then he's re-described in the churches here. So, um, Jason, go ahead and read it in the Passion, uh, verses 8 through 11. Christ's letter to Smyrna. 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 Okay. <laughs> Write the following to the messenger of the congregation of Smyrna. For these are the words of the one who is the beginning and the end, the one who became a corpse but came back to life. <laughs> I am aware of all the painful difficulties you have passed through and your financial hardships, mm. even though, in fact, you possess rich treasures. And I am fully aware of the slander that has come against you from those who claim to be Jews but are not, for they are a satanic congregation mm. do not yield to fear in the face of suffering uh do not yield to fear in the face of the suffering to come but be aware of this the devil is about to have some of you thrown into prison mm. to test your faith for 10 days you will have distress but remain faithful to the day to the day you die and i will give you a victor's crown of life the one who's heart is open let him listen carefully to what the spirit is presently saying to all the churches the one who conquers will not be harmed by the second death that's good mm, that's so good i'm gonna read uh from my archaeological bible here about smyrna so smyrna the smyrna of john's day was a port on the western coast of asia minor at the head of the gulf into which the hermes river flows a well-protected harbor and the natural terminal of a great and inland trade route up the hermes valley smyrna's early history was checkered the city was destroyed by the lydians in 627 bc and for three centuries was little more than a village it was refounded in the middle of the fourth century before christ after alexander's capture of sardis and rapidly became the chief city of asia smyrna was shrewd enough to mark the rising star of rome a common danger the aggression of Antichoes, a uh, great of Syria, uh, united Smyrna with Rome at the end of the third century before Christ, and the bond then formed remained unbroken. Smyrna was indeed the handiest of the bridgeheads, balancing the naval power of Rhodes in the Aegean Sea. Smyrna referred to its ancient alliance with Rome then, when in AD 26, the city uh, petitioned Tiberius to allow the community to build a temple to his mm. deity. So comes. permission was granted, and Smyrna constructed the second Asian temple to the emperor. The city had worshipped Rome as a spiritual power since 195 BC, hence Smyrna's historical pride in her Caesar cult. Smyrna was famous for science, medicine, and the majesty of its buildings. Ap uh, Apollonius of Tyna referred to its crown of porticos, a circle of beautiful public buildings that ringed the summit of Mount Pagos like a diadem. Hence, John's reference in verse 10 uh, to, I will give you a crown. Mm. So you can look up, yeah, the, uh, the, you can look up the crown of porticos if you want in um, Smyrna. Polycarp, Smyrna's martyred bishop of AD 155, had been a disciple of John. So we see here that this is one of those very heavy Roman cult places. And it literally says that you are um, 
you're you're there with it it says that i know the blasphemy of them that say that they are jews but are not but are of the synagogue of satan fear not of those things which you shall suffer behold the devil shall cast some of you into prison and you shall be tried and you some of you shall have tribulation for 10 days that 10 days can off might uh refer to the the persecution that they saw under nero which lasted um about three to four years of heavy persecution and he's letting them know under this particular christian and we do know that uh, that christians were heavily persecuted after nero purposefully set fire to rome christians were persecuted everywhere because he blamed the christians for it he's doing something very similar to what i believe is happening in ukraine and yeah i'm gonna go there um i believe they are purposefully leveling ukraine to build it up again and yeah. they're using russia to do it to level ukraine because we've got blackrock who's ready to come in, in order to be rebuilt at and is ready to come in and be because ukraine because we know that our leaders uh joe biden have these relations with with all these ukrainians but ukraine is a very poor it's the worst of all the european nations it has no good infrastructure the buildings are dilapidated and if you're a rich guy and you want to uh go visit a european nation you don't really want to hang out in ukraine it doesn't have a lot of five-star no, 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 no. resorts that. if you're a rich guy and you want to do your money laundering deals which all money laundering deals happen in ukraine in in europe and in yeah. the, and in the western world as well they were sick and tired of going to the butthole, and I never use that phrase, of Europe to do their deals. Are so they want me? it to be a beautiful place. And so it makes all the sense in the world. Let's have a war. This will kill. We'll boost the, uh, in, uh, the um, military industrial complex. We can accomplish a whole host of other things. We can level some stuff. We can get rid of a lot of secret documents because, well, it happened. They gone in the war we don't know what happened to it there's a lot of things that are accomplished by this but you will see more accomplished by the rebuilding of ukraine than even in the destruction wow okay that's an interesting take on it um but while we're talking yeah um i when we when we talk about these 10 days mm -hmm. guys here's the issue that a lot of people have had and will continue to always have with the book of revelation whether you are a post-millennialist whether you are a dispensationalist wherever you land on okay revelation still has to be fulfilled in its entirety it's partially fulfilled it continues to repeat itself all of these wherever you land everybody has issues with do we take certain things like days seriously or years or something like that do we take it literally i should say do we take these 10 days literally or do we take another thing literally in the book of Revelation? Yeah. And it's, it, so you can't just say, well, I've been tuning into Revelation Red Pill and I came here for real answers. I want to know what those 10 days actually are. Give me the real deal. Guys, no one knows. Oh, yeah. Nobody knows. I don't care where you land on your eschatology. Yeah. Nobody knows. Mm -hmm. Nobody understands these 10 days. Because if you go literal... Mm -hmm. Then you have to take the whole book literal. If you go figurative, then you have to take the whole book figurative. And it doesn't make sense for anybody to just be persecuted for 10 days. It could be 10 years, yeah. you know. And throughout the Bible, God has always done that with some But we do know lines. for a fact that during that time that they were, they were heavily persecuted. So it yeah. has to be within that time period. Right. And I want to read a little bit about the imperial cult. The Roman imperial cult was essentially a religion based on the deification of Roman emperors. 
It had its origin in Eastern and Greek practices in which kings were often said to be gods. Roman emperors were regularly deified after their deaths by an act of the Senate. The attribution of deity was seen as the highest possible manifestation of gratitude and honor. The participation in the imperial court was a religious way of expressing gratitude for the benefits experienced during the emperor's rule. There was no expectation that the deified emperor would continue to intervene in human affairs. And sacrifice were all, sacrifices were also made to the genius or spirit embodied in his current living successor. The imperial cult had both a religious and pontifical function, serving as a unifying factor in the empire as well as a test of loyalty. Refusal to participate in the cult by offering sacrifices in honor of the empire could, emperor could result in execution. The New Testament's central confession that Jesus is Lord, as well as references to Christ as Savior and the Son of God, while based upon Jewish and Christian theology, also served to undermine the lofty assertions of the imperial cult. The silver denarius penny mentioned in Mark 12:15 bore the image of the emperor Tiberius and the inscription Augustus Tiberius Caesar, son of divine Augustus. Reflecting both the deification of Augustus and Tiberius' desire to highlight his uh, finial relationship to his deified predecessor. The imperial cult placed early Christians in the empire in a dilemma. On the one hand, the cult was fundamentally a manifestation of the Antichrist, while on the other, Christians were called upon to respect the institution and power of government. This quandary was anticipated in the Jewish uh, question about paying taxes, and Jesus' answer pointed to the paradox. Um, believers, though, in the world, but not of it. And um, I just kind of want people to understand the world that everybody written to in the book of Revelation was a part of, and they were being told not to be a part of it. And I think we can definitely make parallels to the idolatry around the world. Jason, could you maybe give some examples of what you might see as the idolatry of what I would say just the culture that you you feel like you almost have to go along with to be accepted. Um, the, the first is going to be the financial, the money Ooh. and what that brings. So we got to keep up with the Joneses with our houses, our cars, all that type of stuff, because um, it's that comparison. It's feeding our flesh. Like, well, I have a nice car, so I have status. I have a nice house. I have status. I have all this. I have the certain name brand clothes. I have status. So, Man, we've made anything that we exalt above God to give us our identity is an idol, yeah. idolatry. So it can be our job can be an idol. Yeah. Money can be an idol. Um, who we're associated with can be an idol. You know, so there's so many things. What we wear, some people spend hours getting ready and they won't go out unless they look a certain way or they have certain clothes. Um, mm -hmm. I prefer a hoodie and just walking out like... It's one of those I I've know, preached. you have to you have to admit that you worked really hard on your hair today yeah jason i i did my beard is a little um not in good shape today it's, it's rough <laughs> hey i know some beard guys who take a lot of time on their beards like it's like a thing. oh they, it they is, there are some some people that have their beard as an idol but you're you're absolutely right and people need to recognize that just because it's not an official religion that we are taught that this is a religion. When we go to public school, Jason, these are like like things that they teach us. You're going to have a 401k. You're going to go to college. You're going to have a job. That is a, in my opinion, that's a religion. Yep. This is a religion. Yeah, it's just, and I guess 
defining religion it's can be any group of beliefs yeah it's like a group really of beliefs. a religion yeah. is a group of beliefs like even atheism is a religion yes because if you really talk to them they still have a belief in maybe not in a creator but they still have a group of beliefs yeah when i actually went to chiropractic school um before not taking vaccines and the whole COVID thing were popular yeah we had learned about vaccines in school and there was actually a quote church that their one belief was that they don't believe in vaccines and they had that was their only founding document so because there's three ways to not get vaccines it's yeah. philosophical religious and medical and yeah. so people would actually join it so they say it's against my religion and yeah. so religion is literally when you define it as just a group of beliefs, a group of people with a group set belief, and then absolutely public school is really that. It's designed yes. to indoctrinate to a set purpose. Yes. And honestly, Jason, you make a really good point there because I'm thinking about, you know, throughout the past years, we three years, we keep hearing this phrase, trust the science. Well, you can take that all the way back to the theory of evolution. A lot of people that believe in the theory of evolution say that it's fact because there's all of this science to back it up. Well, there's really not. There's yeah. actually more science to back up creation than there is to back up ev yeah. evolution, by the way. However, this idea of I believe yeah. in science is a belief in and of itself. So it at is. the fundamental, as a human being, we are belief system creatures. Mm -hmm. It's what you choose to believe and then act upon. So everyone has a religion of sorts. Yeah, that's, yep. that's good. So uh, David Chilton says there were two characteristics of Smyrna that meant severe problems for the church there. First, the people of the city were strongly devoted to the emperor cult. And second, Smyrna had a large population of Jews who were hostile to the Christian faith. To this faithful church, suffering mightily under the persecutions of these unbelievers, Jesus Christ announces himself as the first and the last, a name for God taken from Isaiah 44, 6 and 48, 12. It is obvious from the context of those verses that the expression identifies God as the supreme Lord and determiner of history, the planner and controller of all reality. Uh, the opposite of the, uh, the doctrine of predestination is not freedom, but meaninglessness. So mm. God has a plan. He is first and he is last. Um, and he does work all things together for good for those who love the Lord. All right. And I think that that's something that we all need to understand. Um, but remember also, uh, not only is Christ the first and last, but he was dead and he has come to life. He has completely victorious over death in the grave. And we are the first fruits. But it was not easy to be a Christian in Smyrna. Certainly, they didn't get raptured out of their tribulation, did they, Jason? <laughs> the Smyrna not Christians. that I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and this often meant poverty as well because of their stand for their faith. Perhaps they were subjected to confiscation of their property. Or, you know, maybe their bank accounts are being shut down like we're seeing kind of crazy this. Or vandalism. Or economic boycott, and, and and we'll talk about that. I'm going to talk about that economic boycott real quick because I'm I'm I think that what I really want to do as we're going through these these um seven, church, churches. seven churches, and if we don't go through all of them tonight, we'll do the others next week because I I don't want to gloss over the importance of of these verses because we're seeing it happen right now. So in uh, Rome at the time, there were these trade guilds. 
and you had to be part of a trade guild if you wanted to be a blacksmith or a, a tanner or we know that Lydia was from Thyatira and she was a seller of purple, right? Um, and so think of it as today, um, if you are uh, an A, let's say you're an air conditioner HVAC worker, you would have to be part of that guild or you couldn't work on air conditioners or right, yeah, heaters. And if that's what you were before you were a Christian, um, the thing of it is, is that their public and religious life with the emperor cults were so intertwined. Get this, Jason. This was a really big deal. And I, I want to make some parallels with what's happening today. They would often meet and eat the food sacrificed to idols. And so these Christians had this huge conundrum saying, I can't be part of this trade guild wow. because if I don't go to these meetings and I don't eat with them and I don't eat this food sacrifice so with you're, idols, you're I'm going to lose my your, job. Yeah. Okay. And so then you've got the Nicolaitans who are saying, don't worry about it. Go to the trade guilds meetings, eat the food sacrifice to the idols, be part of this Roman cult. Don't worry about it. Well, we're seeing that today. Yeah. We're seeing that today. My, Nigel Farage in the UK had his bank account shut down. Okay. And he's had to sue. We see now there's a FedNow account and we'll do a whole show on that where the U.S. government might be actually taking control of our, of our private bank accounts. Not just our bank accounts. They can then en engulf your whole property at that point, your, your home. We do know that if you didn't take the jab, right? And I think that that's where one of the, like the mark of the beast, a lot of people are like, what's the mark of the beast? You can't buy, sell, or trade. Basically, it's being part of these guilds and not um, eating or drinking with these, these, these cultists. And we're seeing that. Like, Jason, I don't know how aware you are, aware of it you are, but there is a diverse, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion for all these large corporations. And they, ha they have to have like certain numbers of different minorities in different positions. You see um, all these, like even Cracker Barrel ha has to have a L LGBT rainbow Cracker Barrel In order to be chair. part of the club. And they all have to um, make sure that their employees have gone through specific um, DEI training and all of that. Like and in order to be... To, to have this status. And if symbol. you, let's say you are, are speaking out on social media and, and you're like, I don't want to partake in, in this. I don't want to partake in your LGBT. I don't want to partake in this. I don't want to be part of your diversity, equity, inclusion. Well, you can lose your job. And what I want to say is I'm, this is not the mark of the beast of, Revel of Revelation. It is an example Right, Jason, of what happened in the past and how they overcame them by the word of God and the, and the, the, the word of their testimony by the name of Jesus, the blood of the, lamb. the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. We need to, I want to encourage you to be an overcomer in this situation because guess what? Rome fell in AD 70 and Christians were largely not persecuted anymore. He's saying, I come quickly. Hold on. You will find relief. And I'm telling you right now, if you hold the line, hold the line. if you repent, you're going to find relief. But guess what? 2,000 years ago, this happened and the world didn't end. Mm -mm. Okay? So this is this is happening now again, but the world's not going to end. What Jason, you, what's that? What Jason? I, I mean, as you're talking about what was going on, 
it was literally the lockdowns where you had you couldn't go to work if you didn't do this and you had people saying it's all right just go and do it and you had people that were saying no the covid vaccine was the mark of the beast you had both extremes yeah that's good. and that's where the sermon by the holy ghost but literally that was the lockdowns you couldn't go to work you couldn't go in certain states it was even worse i luckily i was in oklahoma we really had no issues there are um, still people with masks in California and New York City right now. Yeah. Like, but that's I mean, you, where you, I drew you... the line besides the <laughs> jab. I'm not, I don't mind putting a diaper on my face. But you couldn't buy and sell and trade without your diaper face. Yep. And kids were getting it's sick true. and they were getting thrush. That was a type of, yes, guys, it was a type of the Mark of the Beast. Okay. Yep. It was you couldn't buy and sell and trade. And so we can learn. From Revelation, and I feel like if we understand that the end of the, I don't. Why don't we read the end of the book, see how it turned out? Okay, they won, and now Christians continue to win. If you don't give into it, if you overcome, you'll get the tree of life. He says um, in verse eleven, he that overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. So, guys, this is something to take comfort in. Our first death that we partake in is our salvation. Like the first death, we're already dead. You're dead in your transgressions and sins. Okay? Jesus Christ makes us alive. The second death, when your body dies and you go meet your maker, that's something that I think is entirely comforting. Because even in the midst of all of this craziness, you can't touch me. Death can't touch me. I'm going to be in heaven forever. I don't care what you do to me. Right? Like I reign. I think once you realize, once you realize that there's no power to death, mm. when you really live as Paul said, I crucify myself daily, which means he's he was saying I'm putting my flesh under and living by my spirit man. It doesn't matter if I actually this body physically passes, yeah, or I go like Enoch, mm. because it, it doesn't matter. Because either way, like Paul said, it's whether I'm in this body or there, I would rather be there, but for your sake, I'm going to stay. Like yeah. he had an encounter when he was living in both realms. Yeah. We are not of this world. Yeah. We are of this kingdom of God. We yeah. are spiritual beings that have this tool of this flesh suit Yeah. that allow us to work on this earth, to bring heaven to earth, to take down, cast the demonic systems, the antichrist system to the lake of fire yeah. And to live and bring heaven on earth. That's so good. And I want to encourage you guys. I know your works. I'm going to say this to you right now. This is the living, breathing word of God. I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know poverty. I know a lot of people. I have a good friend um, um, who does the... Um, the, the, the sisters, Tara and Tanya Joy. Oh, yeah. Tanya Joy, she lost her job. And she's been heavily persecuted. She has a daughter who is transgender, and they made up a big write-up against her because her daughter came out against her. She is struggling financially, okay, because she's doing what's right. There's a lot of people who are doing what's right, and you feel poor because you're doing what's right, and you feel poor. And and they've taken – listen, you're rich. Come on. It literally says, and you're poverty, but you are rich. 
You are rich. I want you to tell yourself that you're rich in the spirit of God and God is going to take care of you. He's, he says that don't worry about what you should eat or your body or what you should drink. He understands the persecution that you're under and we are going to get you out of this and God's going to get you out of this. make a comparison for you guys that will really have this sink in. Okay. If someone came to you and said, I'm going to, for one night, you get to do whatever you want. You're going to have all this money. You can live it up. You can drive a fast car. You can eat the best food. You can do all these amazing things. You can go on a shopping spree, whatever. One night. Or someone comes to you and says, but if you say no to that, then you are now qualified for the rest of your life, you get to do all of that. Hmm. Okay? Our life here on earth is the equivalent of that one night. Wow. That one night. And if you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him, the Bible says not only will you be blessed in this life. Yeah. But then you will be blessed in the he life to come. He calls that the life Store to come. up your treasures in the heaven. The life so, to come. Let me, let me ask you, how would you feel as a person if the rest of the world came to you and judged your wealth based on one night? Mm. And yet in the back of your head going, just one night? If Okay, then I know that I'm rich because you would be thinking of the rest of your life. That's right. You've got everything. You wouldn't walk around going, I'm so poor because everybody else is spending this one night living it up. And oh, you'd walk around this like laughing or being like trying to shake them. Hey, can you go back on your deal? Let's get the rest. Like right now, if you turn, you can walk around. You can be rich like me, but I am wealthy. That's how we need to view our life here on this earth. Yes. I'm feeling it. I'm rich. That's what he literally said to the church of Smyrna, but you are rich. And, and I will take that analogy a step further. The more people persecute you during that one night, the richer you get for the rest of your life. That's so you'd be like, bring here. it on. Keep it coming. Does yeah. anybody else want to persecute me? Yeah. Cause that's, you get, that's, that's what he's saying. When you overcome, you're, you're getting benefits. You're storing up treasures. I'm getting benefits. Yeah, I'm are. getting my benefits. Yeah, I know the blast. And it was of, funny. Oh, no, go ahead. It's funny. You went there. We have discussed storing up treasures in heaven privately. And it's Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, yeah, there your, your heart, heart will is. be also. Wow. It's literally, how can we have joy when bad things happen? How, joy and persecution. You know, God works all things for the good because, man, if I am doing righteously what God has called me to do, living a holy and righteous life, and persecution comes, and it looks, if I say, and this, they're poor according to the world system, not according to God's economy. Yes, the world system. So they're God's saying, yeah. they're saying, according to what the world standard of living is, I'm poor. Yeah, wow. I don't have X, Y, Z. I don't back then. I don't have the fine garments. I don't have the certain pottery. I might not have the house. And today, what is it? I don't have the car job. I don't have the job, the college degree that says I can do this. I don't have all this. So I'm poor. Yeah. In the eyes of the world, but we're rich in Christ because we have eternity where we're not 
condemned to the lake of fire for eternity. We don't have hell and eternal damnation. We have eternal life wow. and the blessings of God to actually sit with our creator yeah. for eternity yeah. instead of being separated. We are rich beyond measure, but what is our measuring stick? Mm. Is it the world or is it what the word says and what he's given us? Yeah. As a new creature, I'm richer than anything because death has lost its sting. Yeah. Just in that. Yeah. I Jason never dies. Jason never dies. You never die. Whether I'm here physically or I'm with the Lord in the spiritual realm, but Jason as who Jason is, Jason yeah. has a flesh right now, but I never die. Yeah. And when you have that perspective, you're going to overcome any natural affliction. And yes, some natural afflictions hurt and they can take longer than we wish and they're not fun. But knowing that that natural affliction is just for a moment, I can overcome because I know what I've stored up in heaven and who I'm going to be with for eternity. That's, That's good. so good. And I think that in our, I want to make a balance in when we're talking like on bringing heaven and earth and receiving your land. Jesus was kind of cool about it. I mean, he's like, he says, if you give up for me in this life, um, lands, family, you'll receive it in this world and in the life to come. And the church goes through birth pangs. And there are times when there are certain people on the, on the front lines. Um, John Wycliffe, who created the, um, the print, uh, but he, did he, he did the Bible, which one did, in the Bible, it which one did Wycliffe he do? Bible. Wycliffe Bible. Um, he was burned at the stake with the pages of his Bible. Yeah. Um, and then I think they dug up his body and like burned it and cast in the ocean or, or the river or something. Um, I want you guys to know that if you if you suffer a martyr's death, or if you if you're martyred in this life, you are storing up treasures in heaven. So it's kind of like I'm blessed if I'm blessed, and I'm blessed if I'm persecuted. Yeah. I'm blessed if I'm rich. I'm blessed if I'm poor at this moment because I'm suffering for Christ. And like Jason says, as soon as you gain that crown of life, that robe of righteousness, that that eternal essentially robe that we put on you already have won anything beyond that is a bonus there's a, i am rich there's a fruit of the spirit that no one ever talks about long suffering long suffering <laughs> long suffering and i think we're we're all in that moment of long suffering all right so we move on just a little bit to um he knows all about the blasphemy of their persecutors as well. Those who say they are Jews and are not. Here the Lord is explicit about the identity of the opposition faced by the early church. Those who are otherwise known, and he's he's actually referring to them as being Nicolaitans here. This was David Chilton says. Um, the followers of the false apostles Balaam and Jezebel are defined here as those who claim to be Jews, children of Abraham, but in reality are children of the devil. And you know what? Nobody likes to say that. You know... Uh, Everybody likes to say, you're all children of God. No, uh, I know some of y'all. Pull out a little Joe Osteen. We're yeah. all children of God. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, there's some that are of the synagogue of Satan. Um, so they need to get them. Uh, they were children of the devil. These are the Israelites who have rejected Christ and thus rejected the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A uh, pop popular myth that holds non-Christian Jews are true believers in the God of the Old Testament and that they only need to add the New Testament to their other 
otherwise adequate religion. But the New Testament itself is adamant on this point. Non-Christian Jews are not believers in God, but are covenant-breaking apostates. That is from David Chilton. That's insane. That's crazy, but it's true. As Jesus said to those Jews who rejected him, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me. You are doing the deeds of your father. Uh -oh. If God were your father, you would love me. And you, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the deeds of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks the lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar, the father of it. The truth is that there is no such thing as an... Oh, wow. An Orthodox Jew, unless he is a Christian. For if Jews believe the Old Testament, they would believe in Christ. If a man does not believe in Christ, he does not believe Moses either. And that's what Jesus said in John 546. And uh, we're just called anti-Semites from here on out. No, I, I, you know, I was actually listening to Bruce Gore talk about this. Um, these are the words of Jesus that we, we uh, kind of walk around. If you want to get to the Father, you got to go through Jesus. Right. Jesus is the Messiah. Right. It says, for no man comes to the Father but, but by, by me. me. Uh, Paul said, he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. For this reason, St. Paul was bold enough to use this language in warning the churches against the seductions of the apostate Jews. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And what was happening is that um, these Jewish people... Um, were persecuting the Christians. And a lot of them were like saying, hey, if you want to follow God, then you have to be circumcised. If you want to follow God, you have to keep the law. And um, it's it's pretty clear that those who are trying to, to put us in a box and say, you must do A, B, C, and D, apart from faith and grace, are not actually producing fruit. And you know what I would say? I would say there's a lot of quote unquote Christians who now fall into this category, mm. who, who make you do certain things to be righteous, to wow. be holy, to outside of the moral law, right? Yeah. Outside of that. And I'm actually seeing that. I see that in the world today. Cause you know that the world today allows for Christianity, Yeah. but it has to be their kind of Christianity. And it has to be open to LGBT. It has to be open to the radical left agenda. It has to be open to, um, I had, a, I had a, a friend, a former friend, who called or texted me two years ago and basically said, what you're doing is sinful by, I don't know what she was referring to, basically us being Trump supporters or going against the vaccine or whatever. And... Uh, you think you're right, but you're not. And you can do better. She and didn't say you can do better. She told us to do she better. She literally said do better. Do better. Be a better person. She was a Christian. But she now belongs to a church that has gone completely woke. Like a quote-unquote Christian Crossroads church. Crossroads here in Cincinnati. Which would then go to speak to some of these, the, like the Nicolaitans. She goes to a Nicolaitan church. Yeah. 
And so I we might as well just call it that. And I feel like that would be the synagogue of Satan today. I'm going to make a post locally for our friends. Crossroads is the church of Nicolaia and see who Googles it and gets it. Corey Gray in the house says listening in powerful stuff. What's up, Corey Gray? So um, with, with all these Christians persecuting us, and that's what I really truly feel that that's, that's, that's the best parallel we see today because um, Jewish people are not persecuting Christians today. It is now the Christians and the Christian world, because there is a Christian world that is persecuting Christians who are actually taking a stand. Those who say, okay, marriage is between a man and a woman. Well, does God really say? Yeah. You know, there's a horrible amount of, well, did God really, what did, what does God really say about abortion? Yeah. And you're, we're, you're heavily persecuted for that, for taking those stands, right? Yep. And he says, fear none of those things which you shall suffer. And he talks about being put into prison and be tried. We, I think about the January Sixers. Uh, and you shall have tribulation 10 days. But if you are faithful unto death, I will give you a crown of life. And he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. And he that overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And I think, Jason, you really went over that well, not be hurt by the second death. For you were once dead, and now we're alive. We're alive in Christ. We're going to move on to per- Pergamos. Yeah, let's do Pergamus for a little bit more while we've got Jason. Uh, Jason, you want to read uh, the letter to Pergamus? Verse 12. Uh, verse 12. So, Christ's letter to Pergamus. Write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Pergamon. For these are the words of the one who, whose words pierce the heart of hearts of man. Mm. I know where you live, where Satan sits enthroned. Yet you still <laughs> cling faithfully. Sorry, that just these are harsh words. No one uses this stuff. They lived in <laughs> they lived in Washington D.C. I'm sorry, keep going. I just that got me. Yet, yet you still cling faithfully to the power of my name. You did not deny your faith in me, even in the days of my faithful martyr mm. Antipas, mm. who was executed in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, hold on. I just gotta say. <laughs> Satan, everybody gives Satan too much power. He's not omnipresent like God is. That's right? true. so true. He is in the Satan where the execution, like he was in the city where the execution happened. Satan mm-hmm. is not omnipresent. He's not omnipowerful. Right. He was a created being. Yes. So we try, some people almost equate him as powerful. No. As Corey said, he's nothing. We have to take our authority, cast him in lake of fire, yes, and fine. deal with the demonic mindsets that have been That's put it. on this earth and get that dealt with and deal with the demons, send him to the lake of fire. But literally, Satan is not omnipresent. Yeah. If he's in this city, he wasn't all over the place. Now, the thoughts, I, I always say this, Hitler's no longer here, but there is still the thought and the mindset and attitudes of Nazism. Sure. Mm, That's true. That's good. Satan has been defeated. Yeah. And the devil has been defeated. And he's not omnipresent. So he's not all over. But what he's seated in this earth that we have to deal with is all over. So we got to deal with and tear down their strongholds. But he's not. If you think he's over there attacking so-and-so, he's definitely not attacking you. Yeah. So you got to figure out what you're dealing with. It's the demons, the fallen angels that, and Corey talks about that, the book Enoch talks about. Yeah. Sorry for that. No, uh, rabbit keep going. Yeah, good. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, Mm-mm. 
who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to eat things that were sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Furthermore, you have some who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So repent then, and I will come quickly to war against them with the sword of my mouth. Yes. But the one who... He, but the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is presently saying to all the churches. Mm. To everyone who is victorious, I will let him feast on the hidden manna and give him a shining white stone. And written mm. upon the white stone is inscribed his new name, known only to the one who receives it. Oh, that's so good. All right. So Pergamum was another important Asian city and played host to a number of popular false cults. The most prominent being those of Zeus, Dionysus. And ask I don't even know what that one is. Asclepios, the serpent. This is what's important. The it's a serpent-like god who was officially designated savior. Mm. And most importantly, the Caesar worship. Pergamum boasted magnificent temples to the Caesars and to Rome, and of all the seven cities, Pergamum was one in which the church was most liable to clash with the imperial cult. To this major center of deified statism, Christ announces himself as the one who has the sharp two-edged sword. Rome claimed for itself the position of creator and definer of all. The emperor's power was over life and death was absolute and final. But whereas Rome, and that's kind of cool where Jesus says, I have, you know, I have the power to life and death, right? Not the Caesar. Hey, guys, there is no such thing as separation of church and state because the book of Revelation is in your face to the state of Rome. In your face. Jesus, you don't have, Caesar, you don't have the power of life and death. I have the power of life and death. You don't have a short sword. I have a sword. And we need to go into these governmental high places and say, not you, Rome, not you, America, false, false America, not you, any sort of government that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. We need men and women of God who know how to apply the word of God to the situations of the time and be able to say, no, you are saying this, but Christ is this. And that's what this is all about. Literally, Jesus was coming to set up his reign over over the entire world and it was in your face to Rome, in your face to the Jewish leaders, in your face, I'm king, in your face, right? So to this major center of deified sadism, Christ announces himself as the one who has the sharp two-edged sword. Rome claimed for itself the position of creator and definer of all. The emperor's power over life and death was absolute and final. But whereas Rome asserted that its right of execution was original, the message of Christianity was that all power and authority outside of the triune God was derivative. The various rulers and authorities were created and received their dominion from God. It is Jesus Christ who wields all power in heaven and on earth. And the ultimate power of the sword belongs to him. As sovereign Lord and ruler of the kings of the earth, he has laid down the law to the nations. If the rulers do not apply and enforce his commands throughout their divinely ordained jurisdiction, he will bring his sharp sword down upon their necks. Whoa. So the believers of Pergamon were living where Satan's throne was. And Robert M. Mount notes several of the suggestions as to the meaning of this expression. Uh, the frequent mention is made of the great throne-like altar of Zeus, which overlooked the city from the citadel. Others take the phrase in refer reference to, how would you say that, God? Asclepios. There, thank you. Asclepios. Um, I will ask you next time about Asclepios. Who was designated savior and whose symbol was the servant, serpent. Uh, this would obviously remind Christians of Satan as being the serpent uh, from the garden. As the traveler approached the... Uh, 
approached Pergamum by the ancient road from the south. The actual shape of the city hill would appear as a giant throne towering above the plain. The expression is best understood, however, in connection with the prominence of Pergamum as the official cult center of the emperor worship in Asia. Hmm. It was here that Satan has esta had established his official seat or chair of state. As Rome had become the center of Satan's activity in the West, so Pergamum had become the throne in the East. While this last designation, the throne as the seat of the emperor worship and deified statism, is a central aspect uh, that is generally overlooked, Satan has, al had, has already been identified in these messages as united to the synagogue. The unbelieving Jewish community that had, has abandoned the covenant in favor of a mythical religion— um, and so you've got this, this relationship, the close relationship in Pergamum between organized Judaism and the imperial officials combined with Christianity's opposition to, to this statism and the worship of the creature made it only natural that the persecution and martyrdom would begin here, if anywhere in Asia. And on this account, Christ regards the church at Pergamum as faithful. They hold fast to his name, confessing him alone as Savior, Mediator, and Lord, proclaiming that his identity as the link between heaven and earth was absolutely unique. They did not deny the faith, even when bitter persecution came in the days of Antipas, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. No one knows who this Antipas was, but it is enough that Christ singles him out for special acknowledgement. My faithful witness, he calls him. By his very name, against all, Antipas personifies the steadfastness steadfastness um and then he says yet not all the church were of the faithful character of antipas moreover a great threat that posed a danger to the integrity of the faith even greater than the danger of persecution is the sly insidious working of heresy saint john draws on the history of the church in the wilderness to illustrate his point you have someone there who holds the teaching of Balaam, whose name means like Nicholas, conqueror or destroyer of the people. When it was discovered that the people of God could not be defeated in open warfare, and we kind of talked about this earlier, um, Balaam came and said, I'm going to put, let's put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. Eat the things sacrificed to idols and commit fornication. Thus, you have also uh, some in the same way in the imitation of Balaam hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. In other words, those who hold to the teaching of Balaam were those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans comprise the same group. And you can skip that in yeah. the next paragraph. because we went So, yeah, we were, we were talking about this. Um, and I think that this is a very important kind of um, stopping point because I know you need to, to jump off here and you can finish Perg Pergamum with, with you. Um, but he says, repent or else I will come quickly and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And you guys did this show on Monday basically saying you guys are holding to the doctrine of Nicolaitans and the doctrine of Balaam. You're eating this food sacrificed to idols. You're, you're thinking that you can be part of the world. You have all these idols. You have this fornication. You're looking to porn. And guess what? Just as John was writing and saying, behold, I come quickly. You repent or I'm going to destroy you with the sword of my mouth. You guys were saying... I'm feeling this same urgency that this there's another coming of Jesus. Remember, the world didn't end, and God obviously was was coming um, back two thousand years ago. This is another kind of coming, and I I, I was so impressed with on the, my, my spirit to do this talk, and I'm so glad that you're here, Jason, because God put it on your heart to do this this teaching of repentance, and I really think that um, 
if we if Michelle and I continue, we might just do one more church because I'd love to have you back if you can next week because this has been so amazing to have you go back and forth with us on. Uh, it's been fun for me, actually. Very fun. Um, because I feel like there's a way for us to really tie this into what's happening today. Um, and I don't hear, have you ever heard anybody preach, repent, or Jesus is going to come at you with the sword of his mouth? Uh, not since I've been a believer, so. <laughs> but it's, but here's the thing. Why do you think, Jason? I'm, I'm going to tell you why I think. <laughs> and then maybe you can see if I agree. I think it's because they put revelation to the future. Yes. That can't be for us now. That's going to be for those church, that church in the future, the other, that's, that's not for us. And that hasn't been throughout the church, throughout history. Like, don't you, do you not think that Jesus is constantly saying, repent, or I'm going to come at you with my sword of my, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy you. Like that's, that's what he's saying. I will destroy you. I'll take away your candlestick. Like there are punishments yeah, I, in this earth for not, for doing, for sinning, living in sin like this. Well, it's, I'm always a victim. I'm never accountable. I, I have to look in the mirror and say, I'm responsible for what has happened to me. I'm responsible for the years I was hooked on pornography and the people that my watching affected and how it affected my own family, how it affected my wife. And people don't want to take responsibility. They want to put it off. Everything's a futuristic look. Everything, or it's so futuristic, or it's hyper grace. Yeah. Are the two things that more I study and see society, it doesn't matter what you do. Nothing, you know. There, there's no sin anymore. There's no hell. There, these are discussions that are happening within. We would call them believer in Christianity. Mm -hmm. Is there a hell? It. What is sin? And when you start going down that path, anything becomes permissible. Just be tolerant of it. It doesn't yeah. matter. Christ's blood covers everything. Yeah. Well, as a father, if something happens to my daughter, yes, I'm going to forgive some people, but there's going to be some strong boundaries if you're the one that did that to my family. Yeah. Like, very strong boundaries that have very severe consequences. Yeah. And that, that's God. He's not going to sit there and say, oh, I have the, the the scripture that talks about if you hurt one of these children, but he's going to say, oh, but there's grace. I really didn't mean I'm going to put a millstone around your neck because I, I'm going to be so graceful that you did it once. Okay, let me let you do it to the next 10. Yeah. No, there is literal consequences to the decisions we make. Yeah. Now, is there forgiveness? Yes, but there's consequences. I'm not going to let somebody that's harmful around my yeah. family, around my friends, around anybody I care for. Yeah, That is called being a good shepherd and a steward of what God has given you. And you do that for the land that you have. You're going to protect what God gives you. You're going to protect the family of God. And so in that, we cannot neglect that there is literal punishments, judgments, whatever term, People are afraid of the term, term judgment. There is judgments for your behavior that harms the children of God. Yeah. And and we can't get away. Yeah, no, you're, I keep going back to the, the one thing in the book of Acts, like the two things, the Gentiles were coming to the church and do you keep the law? Do you keep any, I don't know if you guys know this, there's a council when uh, the Jews, Jews, Jewish leaders got together 
and all these Gentiles were coming into the faith and they're like, do we make them keep all the law? And they're like, two things. Don't eat food sacrificed to idols and don't commit fornication. Like don't have sexual sin. And um, Paul says in writing to Corinth, some 15 years after the council that I just talked about. Which Jason brought up at the very start of the show. Yeah, exactly. Had occasion to argue with Christians who regarded the eating of things sacrificed to idols. It was a very common thing um, to as a thing indifferent. It's like going out to eat, basically. And though he does not take his stand on the Jerusalem decree, he opposes the practice on the ground that it gave offense to the weak brethren, and also because of the connection which he regarded as existing between idol worship and unclean spirits. The things that the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. To be uh, partakers of the uh, table of unclean spirits was inconsistent with the participation of the Eucharist. And so basically, because Paul actually goes on to say, is it the food? It's not the food. So I want to get away from like this food, uh, this idolatrous eating. Anything that people are doing and it's two demons, it's two uh, evil. It's, and we can see, and we, there are so many things in our life today, guys, that we know is satanic and we make all these compromises all day. And in, and, and, and it's so amazing that they, they keep talking about the fornication, the fornication, the fornication, the sexual sin is so it's, it's, it will pull us away from God more than anything else. I want to, I want to do two things here with Jason real quick. Jason, um, my first question is on this topic, and then I'll go back to the, 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 the second question you talk about, and you've been talking about how you were delivered from pornography. I keep getting this explanation in my head and I know that it's true, even though I've never experienced it, uh, from a pornography a, a, a standpoint, like maybe getting angry or allowing a, a, a demonic presence in. But there is something to be said for, and I, and I want this to kind of, and I want Jason to kind of elaborate on this however you feel led. This is not a leading question. I just, I just want you to take this wherever you want to. I feel like when you are looking at pornography, and it's not just I feel, I know this is true. You are engaging in a, in a, a sexual practice with a demon, and that demon is literally becoming a part of you. And so you have literally put out a sign that says, demons welcome here hmm. come inside of me oppress me torment me come in and be a part of my family like am i wrong i mean it's it's an unrighteous act so anything that is unrighteous you can't walk into blessing and be doing an unrighteous act and let alone people will be like what's it say it's fornication and adultery I was in an adultery when I was looking at pornography for at least 10 years of my marriage because I was sinning against my own body, as the scripture says, but I had a wife that literally in that pornography, you can't say that when you understand it's adultery, I was in habitual sin for 10 years, which is an open door to Satan to come in. Right. So you can't get away from it. If you're in fornication, which is you're looking at pornography and you're you're having open door. There's no way to say that pornography is not an open door for the for the demons to come in for evil to partake in your life. It is a open door because it's eliciting a different chemical reactions that should not be coming from anything but your own spouse, 
or from things that God created. Because, like we talked about, I think it was last on one of the yeah, shows about the dopamine response from the land. On like, there are certain things that God designed for a certain response within our body that they've created pornography that will elicit the same thing, and yeah. so they're they're counterfeiting what God has made to be good. Yeah, and so. When that counterfeit, that counterfeit produces an open door. There's no way to get around it. When you are supposed to receive certain benefits from farming the land and all these things, and you receive it elsewhere, it's an open door to whatever you're receiving it from, and that's demonic. That's yeah. Good. Now, my second question is, um, and I don't want to get you in trouble on this. I know I can feel Leah's looking at my... I'm not asking you to incriminate yourself here on the show. But I want to I wanna make it very clear when it comes to God's justice and judgment. I am not a father, okay? But let's, if we can, in a hypothetical situation, in a society where there is no law, all right? If someone does something against your daughter or your family, they have to be held accountable. And if you're the only one to do it, you have to do it. And so when we view God as a father figure and we put this hyper grace on him, we actually detach him from the very thing that he we see as he created us in his image. When someone does something against one of God's children, there is a responsibility. They have to be held accountable. Am I right? Absolutely. And this is where we have to define what love truly is. Mm. A lot of people say love. Oh, God is love. And I actually, I have taught this. God defines himself as love. He never says he's a God of wrath. He never read through. He says, I am a God of love. That's in first John. He defines himself as a God of love. And some people say, well, that's he's love. He would never discipline. He never chasten. He would never bring judgment. And that's where we have what love is, is wrong. Because love, first, one of the biggest characteristics of love is protection. It's not this ooey off feeling. Me and my wife joke, we fell in lust and got married and God brought love into it as the years went. That's awesome. You know, a lot of people say they're in love. They're really just lusting after each other and they're just making it sound more spiritual than it really is. But they're really in <laughs> lust and we pray that God brings love into the relationship right. and it actually can be brought to a divine marriage. Yeah. But what is love? An aspect of love is protection. Yeah. Is discipline. And that protection, if you're messing with me or you're messing with my family, a part of that protection would be the wrath of Jason if you hurt my family. Right. Yeah. Where there's going to be boundaries. Even Serge did a message. The kingdom has boundaries, but it's without limits. Mm, if good. you yeah. stay within the boundaries of the way, the truth, the life of Jesus Christ, and you enter in the kingdom, what God has for you is unlimited. Yeah. But when you step out of the boundaries, let's look at the prodigal son. When he was at home, he had everything. He had an inheritance. He stepped out and he wanted an inheritance, and he went and squandered it. He lived like the world, and he blew his inheritance. He wasn't walking in the blessings. There was consequences to him living like the world. He actually was eating worse than his servants. He was eating what the pigs were eating. Right. Yeah. And what did he did? He came to a moment of repentance. Yeah. And he was able to come back 
because he had changed his heart and he came back to the Father. And there's a place of restoration when you're restored. But outside of repentance, he was basically walking in judgment. Wow. Yeah. He was walking outside. Because what is, what is, we have blessing. So what is the opposite of blessing? It's a Person. lack of blessing. Yeah. You know, there's light and there's darkness. What is darkness? It's an absent of light. What is the opposite of blessing? Is the absence of blessing, which is the curse. You have yeah. blessing or curse. When I'm walking in blessing, I don't have the curse. When I'm lacking the blessing, I'm cursed. Yeah. And so as you look at the prodigal son, he was walking in the curses. He was yeah. walking in the judgment. And yeah. as he repented, there was a restoration that came. And in that, even when somebody's under the wrath of God, repentance and changing their mind, because what we're not a behavior modification, God looks at the heart. Because you can only, I tried modification, behavior modifications with pornography. And it would only last so long. Like Rob talked the other night, man, I, I'm doing good. I only looked at it four times this year right. instead of every day. Great. You modified your behavior, but you haven't dealt with the heart issue. Well, yeah. when somebody truly repents, there is a change in their heart and in their mind where they take off the mind of the world and put on the mind of Christ. And when that happens, that's when the wrath of God is stayed. Come on. That's so good. And before you head out, I want to talk about that just real quick of the two things that are given to the, the church of uh, Pergamum. But when it came to the wrath of God, it says, um, it says, I am coming to you quickly and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. The angel of the Lord had met Balaam with a drawn sword in Numbers twenty two thirty one, and the sword was used to kill him. And as we observed already, uh, this warning of Christ's coming is not a statement about the second coming of Christ at the end of some sort of history, but rather refers to a judgment within history. Mm. It is a judgment that was imminent to the church of Pergamum, especially in light of the fact that judgment was about to be unleashed upon the whole world. The same principle has been repeated again and again throughout history in Christianity. Wherever these you know, people are that encourage people to sin and get out of the will of God uh, and just become like the world, basically— God does come with judgment and he is going to come with judgment. And you guys need to listen to the message from Monday, but to the two good things that come to those who overcome that are granted to the church of Pergamum that granted to all of us. Number one, I will give to eat him to eat of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone and in, and in it, a new name written, which no one saving can receive it. And in Jewish culture, a name was very important, especially in the ancient Near East. Um, they would give you a name basically on the situations that were surrounding your life or what had happened. And um, this is really cool. So God gives Abram, Abram a new name, Abraham. And when a king wanted to exercise that something was his or have dominion over it, he would rename something. Hmm. So it's when he gives you a new name, you're his now. Oh, that's good. And um, the hidden manna, you know, they took around the ark everywhere with that, with that manna. And Jesus uh, goes on to say that he becomes that manna, uh, the hidden manna in John 6. Stop grumbling amongst yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. As is written in the prophets, they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen that 
No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven. Anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the world. And the Jews said, how can a man eat this flesh? Uh, and he says, truly, I say unto you, unless they eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you don't have any life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up in the last day. Um, and this is the, um, the bread that the, the ancestors, um, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And so what he's promising and to encouragement to you guys, he is He's basically saying repent or die, but he's saying, if you do repent and you come to me and you overcome, I'm going to give you a new name. And so if you're stuck in fornication, if you're stuck in the world, if you're stuck in the world system, repent. And these blessings are still for you. But I believe that there's a moment in, in, in time where we, there is something that's physically going to happen to people and it's going to come soon. So you give, you eat this hidden manna and the hidden manna, um, made it so that the Israelites could live, mm -hmm. but they died. This is the hidden manna and we live. And the white stone is interesting. It can mean uh, several things, but often you had to present a stone to go into a banquet or something. And it would be a white stone, like with your, with an, with your name on it. Like it's an invitation hmm. to eat at the banquet. That's a couple, there's a couple different things that the white stone could mean, but that's, that's a, that's as good as any, uh, like you get to go into the bank. Here's my, here's my white stone mm -hmm. with my new name. I get to come to the, to the banqueting table. I get to eat of this hidden manna. And that's kind of like the, the blessings that come. So I know we're talking a lot, a lot about the, um, uh, the harshness of it, but it's the. Jason, to me, it's like hot and cold, like the harshness of God's punishment and then the blessings of, of his reward. Like it's, yeah. and you can get the final words What's and I know crazy. you got to go. Go ahead. What's crazy is you said the stone is a token to enter a special into a, feast. Into a special feast, yeah. And then in that feast, we're given a new name. Yeah. Which is the marriage supper of the lamb. Because yeah. as we have the living word, the living man of Christ, yeah. who is the bride, as we enter into a special feast because of the white stone, mm. we now are given a new name because what happens as the bride, going to the mm. bridegroom Jesus, what happens? The bride takes on the name of their husband. So all of us yeah. have received the name as the, as the bride to the bridegroom Jesus. That's we right. all have a new name. And that name is what is imputed to us from our husband. Yeah. From our bridegroom, Jesus. And that's yeah. the eternal name that allows us to be seated in heavenly places with him. Oh, that's so good. And Isaiah 62 two says, oh, go ahead. I have it right here. Go ahead. Um, so this is a literally a direct fulfillment of Isaiah 62. Mm -hmm. uh, not just verse 2, but the whole chapter. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. But verse 2 says, well, actually, no, we have to read verse 1 because this talks about the wrath that we've been getting into. For Zion's sake, I, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest in, 
until her imputed righteousness and vindication go forth as brightness and her salvation radiates as does a burning torch. And the nations shall see your righteousness and vindication, your rightness and justice, not your own, but his ascribed to you. And all kings shall behold your salvation and glory, and you shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. And you shall be also a beautiful um, and prosperous and to be thought of as a crown of glory and honor in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem exceedingly beautiful in the hand of the Lord. Now, as you continue to read through this, it is literally the book of Revelation summed up in one chapter. It talks about the bride marrying the bridegroom, marrying the virgin. Um, there's a watchman on your walls who will not hold the peace day and night. Um, and then we also see a feast in here as well. And then you have a holy people right? A city not forsaken and, uh, and sought out. So we see consistently throughout the word, when you look at revelation, how do we interpret the book of revelation mm. by going to all of these places where John is pulling from to compose this last book of the Bible. Mm. And it, it is in that, that we are able to interpret it. So when we look at, okay, anybody could look at Isaiah 62 and go, oh, salvation, mm -hmm. there's a feast. But yet in dispensationalism, we put this feast off in some sort of future thing, which does not make any sense because I am the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. I am the wife of Christ. I am already married. I'm pretty sure that that marriage supper happens when Jesus comes inside, not at some future date. Like that means that all the people that are saved up until today or until some future date they never get their marriage supper i mean that's kind of a wimpy wedding yeah i think yeah it's pretty wimpy wedding so those are my thoughts jason do you have any more final thoughts before we let you go uh i'm just gonna go with the theme of the letter to seven churches is repent mm -hmm. that is where we're at from what Corey's released from what you released that 40-day window which ends i think you said august 13th yep mm-hmm the message is repent. There's yeah. a place that we have to get our house in order. It starts in our houses. It starts in the house of God. And it moves forward to affect the nation. So before I sign off, let's just, can I, am I good to just pray? Yes, 100%. please do. Yeah. Please do. Okay. Lord, we just come before you for all the people listening tonight and who will listen to this in the future. Lord, we just thank you that there will be a heart of repentance that goes forth from the sound of our voices, Lord, that People will do as David has said, said, search my heart, O Lord, and reveal anything that is in me that is not of you. Lord, we just come and say, Lord, show the people who are participating in pornography, who are listening to false prophets, who are part of the fiat system that has caused corruption across the world, that you will reveal to people the areas that they need to repent in. And as, as a repentant church rises, there will be. The wrath of God will be stayed upon this nation. That sex trafficking will come to stop. We just come against the plans of the enemy to take a generation through their minds being stolen by pornography that take this the souls and the innocence of children through child trafficking. We just come against that and say, Lord, yes, come yes. on our behalf and set the captives free that are captive in the pornography industry, but the ones that are captive by just watching it. Because literally they are watching a television, which they're getting a vision of evil yeah. as they watch pornography. They're getting a vision of evil as they watch these different movies. And we just come against that and say, not in our day and time, yes. Lord. We come 
for a repentant church to rise. We ask that the pulpits be cleansed from unrighteousness. Yes. That the righteous will rise in the pulpits. And if it has to be somebody that's in a pew that's never been trained, who cares? Because if they have the heart of God, they will rise and they will speak forth as a mighty sword. As a ha ha. Thank you, Lord. That they will speak the word of faith. Yes. The sword of the spirit will come forth that will cut down any demonic principalities that are operating in the church yes, structure. The Lord, we thank you for peace in our nation, but it starts with us repenting from our wicked ways and turning. So we just say, repent, mm. repent, repent, turn from our wicked ways, return back to the first love so that we can re receive the crown of life, the crown of victory, yes. and that we can walk in freedom as Christ called us. And we call for freedom for the women and children that are yes. bound, yes. and even the young boys that are bound in pornography, because we can't truly be free if there's women and children that are bound, yes. because we're called to take care of the women and the orphans and the children. So we declare freedom for the over 2 million children and child yes, trafficking. We thank you, Lord that this message of seven churches, though it was to seven specific churches, that we learn a lesson about your heart, of how you deal with us as believers when we do not walk in the fullness of who we're called to be. So we call forth the identity of who each of us are as a child of God, that we are not to be of this world, but we are foreigners in this yes. land. We are of heaven, and we're foreigners in this land, and we will not become conformed to this world, but yes. we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the word, the living man of, of God that lives and dwells yes. in each one of us. We thank you, Lord, that we are set free, and others will be set free. And we thank you for a repentant heart in all of us, that we repent of anything known and unknown, yes. so that we, we do not become ensnared by the, the enemy's plan, but we stay with you, Lord, and we walk with you and follow you every day we thank you lord in jesus name amen that, that was that was fire. fire okay so if y'all came for the part where leah had me put in there an urgent current prophetic word for this hour <laughs> jason jason just, just prayed it out guys and and this is on the show uh monday the kingdom roundtable which we restreamed you can watch it on our rumble channel or on the uh kingdom roundtable channel Right now, the, the word that Corey Gray got was stop porn or be destroyed. And God gave him 40 days. And I told him, I said, your 40 days actually started the day of the film of The Sound of Freedom, mm -hmm. which was debuted on July 3rd. Mm -hmm. um, and so 40 days from there, we're looking at August 13th. Mm -hmm. Guys, I am telling you, or July 4th, I should say, it is vital that we get this one. Yeah. We must, as a nation, repent. And I hear all the time from people, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not participating in abortion. I don't care. It's our nation. And as a nation, we have to all repent. I don't care if you never looked at pornography or never even heard of sex trafficking. Repent the whole, because we allowed it. As a church, we allowed as it. As a church, we allowed it. Yeah, for sure. But I didn't personally. Yes, you did. We all did. We all and did. we all must literally stand before God and say, Father God, we as a nation repent for allowing this well, into our country. I think pretty much everybody goes into the fornication basket. I don't know that there's many that don't. Um, 
we are all kind of part and parcel in the sexual immorality and the idolatry of this world. We really are. But idolatry, yes. We, Jason sure. last or on Monday, I repent of the fiat dollar. That's the deeds an, of the Nicolaitans are are strong amongst us. That, and that is true. The Nicolaitans, <laughs> when it comes to compromising the purity of God, yeah. and that's the thing. All right, so you guys, we're gonna let Jason go, but Jason. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm hoping you'll come back next week because I'm actually going to just kind of do a refresher of these three churches. I would absolutely love for you to come back to do another couple churches and we don't have to get through all of them next week. Um, because there's seven, that'll be three. Thyatira, but judgment this on been, the royal harlot. This has been really good. So I honestly, it's like I feel like I don't want to watch a movie without you. Like I, I don't want to go. I don't want to move on. Like I want Jason to come back to do Thyatira. Can you come back, maybe? Yeah, I can come back. Okay. All right. I got to put him on the spot. <laughs> All right. So you, so you can sign off. And I'm just going to, uh, if you guys stick around, I want to kind of do a little. Bye, uh, y'all. All right. Thanks, thank Jason. you so much, Jason. I want to do a refresher because we took in a lot over over these over these churches. And if you guys want, one of the, I'm actually kind of reading from uh, the book, The Days of Vengeance by uh, David Chilton. And I, this was recommended on the recommended reading list by our really good friend, Matt Thayer. And um, before we got going on Ephesus, I didn't get a chance to um, to go over the... Let me read this comment from Linda. This is go really ahead. good. She says, I think this week is called the Dire Straits coming up on the 9th of Av. Yeah. The parallels with the Hebrew calendar calendar mm -hmm. are fascinating. And you're right. Other people will call it between the straits. Between the straits. And it's... And, um, this is literally the time that we are looking at. And maybe we can go into that a little bit next week. Um, I'll come prepared. That's the, my wheelhouse there. And I will come prepared with more. Patriot Gallery has been putting that kind of stuff in her blogs yeah. recently. But the parallels of what's happening right now, especially leading up to August uh, What does that mean between is, the streets? It's kind of a time of... of you know how Jason said that he was feeling a heaviness? Mm-hmm after monday's show the between the straits period is kind of this time of heaviness that has a culmination and the time the timing of that mm -hmm. going into i could look at the let me pull up my calendar here because i have the hebrew calendar um superimposed on, on, calendar. on mine so the ninth of of is let's see when we get into mom's coming down between the straits is also a is that tomorrow between between yeah, the straits, so actually tomorrow. So between the right. straits is. Whose report will you believe, right. Caleb or uh, Caleb and Joshua? Let's take the land. So tomorrow, the, the spies. Tomorrow actually is the ninth of Av. Okay. Wow, wow. That's awesome. It's kind of powerful. That it's really really powerful. Okay, so I'm going to go back a little bit over on Ephesus. Kind of just jump over these real quick, uh, just so we have it in our spirit. So. The city of Ephesus was the most important city in Asia Minor, both in politics and trade. It was an important cultural center as well, boasting such attractions such as art, science, witchcraft, idolatry, gladiators, and persecution. Main Street ran from the harbor to the theater, and on the way, the visitor, and I don't know if you want to bring up like, um, you know, first century Ephesus picture or something people can see can. What, what it looked like. Uh, the main street ran from the harbor to the theater and on the way, the visitor would pass the gymnasium and the public baths, the public library and the public brothel. 
the public brothel. They have that in uh, the Netherlands. Mm. Uh, its temple to Artemis or Diana, the goddess of fertility and the nature in the wild, was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So this sexual cult was a seven was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Uh, St. Luke tells us another interesting fact about the city, one that has important bearing on the seven messages as a whole. Ephesus was a hotbed of Jewish occultism and magical arts. Throughout the world of the first century, apostate Judaism was accommodating itself to numerous pagan ideologies and heathen practices, developing early strains of what later came to be known as Gnosticism, various hybrids of occult wisdom, rabbinical lore, mystery religion, and other uh, kind of like sensuousness all stirred up together with a few bits and pieces of Christian doctrine. This um, kind of homogenous like religious quackery was undoubtedly a primary spawning ground for the heresies that afflicted the churches of Asia Minor. Yet, despite all the multiform depravity within Ephesus, the Lord Jesus had established his church there. And in his message, he assures the angel of the congregation that he holds the seven stars in his right hand, upholding and protecting the rulers whom he has ordained. He fills them with the light and influence. And so um, what I didn't really talk about is the seven stars are the seven messengers leading mm -hmm. the churches. And so these seven kind of pastors of these churches, these shepherds, he's, I got them. Yeah. And basically that's that to me, it's also a reference to um, really all the true leaders. He's got you and you're his stars. Okay. Uh, he fills them with light and influence. Matthew Henry's commentary says he supports them or else they would soon be soon be falling stars. He also walks in the middle of the lampstands, the churches guarding and examining them and connecting them with one another through their unity to him. Isn't that so cool? So when you think about the seven churches, like we're one church. Right. Because the menorah is that it's that's the lampstand. It's the menorah with seven candles, but it's one lampstand. And he is the source of the lampstand. Yeah. Um, and it actually feeds from two olive trees, and that's the 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 Holy Spirit and like and the and the prophetic word, and it feeds this keeps feeding it. Uh, the kingly it's the kingly line and then the Holy Spirit. Um this prophetic word kind of keeps feeding these churches. So having Jesus as our King and having the Holy Spirit, it lights the whole world. And that's why it, that goes to um, Zechariah where it's talking about how he, he gives the, he sees it. Like he sees it. The old Testament prophets saw this amazing church that would be. Yeah. And we are one. Yeah. We are not separate. There's no Catholic church and Baptist church and Presbyterian. Guess what? When you go to heaven, um, this was some the part of the first um, Great Awakening. It was called Father Abraham's Sermon. And when they went to heaven, and this is what our founding fathers, George Whitfield, went all up and down um, New England teaching the Father Abraham Sermon. And he said, in heaven, I asked Father Abraham, you know, you have any Catholics here? I've got one. You got any Presbyterians here? Not a lick of them. And you got any Baptists here? Nope. Nope. No, nope. We're just all one menorah. We're one. We are we are individual candlesticks. Right. And all the ministers are held in his hand together. All the ministers are held in his hand together. You don't have Catholic priests over here, Baptist ministers over here. There's no cliques in heaven. No. Sorry, guys. We don't get to have you don't get to have your little pet doctrine that you like you pet like your fuzzy mole. 
Oh, Leah. That's the way I feel like these pet doctrines that keep people dis, dis, you know, ununified is like this fuzzy mole. Or is it predestination? So in this episode, I said butthole and you said fuzzy mole. I'm going to go with fuzzy mole and you can talk to mom about that one. Just saying. I can't even, I can't believe you said it a second time. You said fuzzy mole multiple times. I have a mole. Like that's not weird. But do you stroke it? No, but you, it's that's not what you're gross. Now. You're like, it is gross when you think about stroking a fuzzy mole. I love you so much. You're weird, though. Um, he also I said pussy. But I didn't say. Never mind. I'm not going to go there. The church in Ephesus was well known for its toil and hard work for the faith and its perseverance in the face of opposition and apostasy, having endured hardships for the name of Christ. This was a church that did not know the meaning of compromise, willing to take a strong stand for orthodoxy, regardless of the call. Uh, of the cost. It is noteworthy that all, of all Paul's letters to the churches, the Ephesians alone, he does not mention a single doctrinal issue that needed uh, corrections. The rulers of the church were not afraid to discipline evil men. They knew the importance of uh, heresy trials and excommunications. Get those apostates out of Get here. Get them out of the church. We and don't excommunicate enough. And it seems that this church had had a good share of both. Its rulers had tested the false apostles and had already convicted them and, cu and cast them out. Excommunicated them. The elders of Ephesus heeded well the exhortation Paul had given them in Acts 20, 28 through 31. Guard yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the flock of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Mm. Forty years later, this church was still renowned for its orthodoxy. St. Ignatius, martyred in AD 107, observed in his letter to the Ephesians, You all live according to the truth, and no heresy has a home amongst you. Indeed, you do not so much as listen to anyone if he speaks of anything except concerning Jesus Christ and truth. I have learned that certain persons pass through you bringing evil doctrine, and you did not allow them to sow seeds That's among really you, good. for you stopped up their ears so, your that ears. You, your ears so that you might not receive the seeds sown by them. You are arrayed from head to foot in the commandments of Jesus Christ. If only that statement could be said about the people that the false end times teaching was seeded in 150 years ago. There are several striking parallels in these verses. Christ tells the church, I know your toil, literally weariness, mm. and your perseverance, and that you cannot endure evil men. And you have perseverance and have endured for my sake and have not grown weary. Yet the Lord rebukes the, the angel. I have this against you. You have left your first love. The church's desire for sound doctrine had become perverted into a hardening up against their brothers in Christ. Wow. And they lacked love. It is important to note that even the most rigorous concern for orthodoxy does not automatically mean an absence of love. It's, it is only a, a perversion of orthodoxy that results in hardness towards brethren. So Christ does not criticize the Ephesians for being too orthodox, but for leaving and forsaking the love which they first had. That's really good. The question of the doctrine of doctrine versus love is biblically speaking a non-issue. In fact, it is a specifically pagan issue. Seeking to put asunder what God has joined together, Christians are required to be both orthodox and loving. And a lack of either will eventually res result in the judgment of God. So that's where we've landed right now, essentially. I see where the body of Christ of has, has, is saying, well, no, what I mean is, I think that there's been a shift of let's just love, 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 love. Because if we're too orthodox, then we can't love. 
And so that's where you get into this, the, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, where you're, you've entered the world into your well, body. In, in religious theologic, theo, theologian Twitter, they have no love. Exactly. They are, they, they, they will come and they'll the like, reform women grows. can't preach. Right. Um, you can't be filled with the Holy Ghost. There's no speaking in tongues. There's no, um, like they come at like that. Um, I just saw a bunch of guys posting about how much they hated the song. Uh, this is how I fight my battles. I love that song. Well, because it says over and over again, this is how I fight my battles. And there's not a lot of words to it. Yeah. So they say there's no good Christian doctrine in that. And it's emotionalism. And they say the the woman who like kind of wrote it says she wrote it from the Holy Spirit, and that would be wrong. Oh, okay. Cause, a, because so, she's a woman, and B, because of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and they want to go back to just singing the Psalms. So there's a lot of these really strict. But here's on the other hand, they believe you know marriage is between a man and a woman, and kind of push against feminism. But you lack love. They lack love. They lack love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. They, they really put themselves up as like perfect men. Remember where hole you came from. The Ephesians had at once had a harmonious combination of love and sticking true to the true teachings of Christ. And Christ calls them to repent and to change their minds about their actions and to do what you did at first. Love is not simply a state of mind or attitude. Love is an action in terms of God's law. By this, we know that we love the children of God when mm. we love God and we keep his commandments. So Christ's antidote for the bride's spiritual malaise is not simply an exhortation to change her attitude as such. Instead, he commands her to change her actions, to perform the works that had characterized her romance with the bridegroom at the beginning. Repentant actions will nourish and cultivate a repentant attitude. If they do not repent, however, Christ warns, I am coming to you in judgment. A warning stated three more times in these letters. Wow. As we have seen before uh, in verse 1-7, the coming of Christ is not simply referred to a cataclysm at the end of history, but rather refers to his comings in history. In fact, he warns he will come quickly, a term emphasized by, his, by its seven occurrences in Revelation. Seven times he says, I come quickly. Um, the Lord is not threatening the church of Ephesus with his second coming. He is saying that he will come against them, just them. I will remove your lampstand out of its place. Their influence will be taken away, and indeed, they will cease to be a church at all. For a lack of love, the mm. entire congregation is in danger of excommunication. Wow. If the elders of the church fail to discipline and dis disciple the church towards love, Jesus will step in and administer judgment. It is likely that John was using an important current event in the life of Ephesus as a partial basis for this imagery. The coastline was continually changing because of the sediment brought down by a nearby river, the Castor River. Sand and pebbles progressively filled up the harbor, threatening to turn it into a marsh. The city was in danger of being an infect moved out of its place, completely cut off from the sea. Two centuries before, a massive engineering project had dredged the harbor at the cost of much toil, perseverance, and hardship. But the middle of the first, by the middle of the first century, the harbor was again filling with silt. It became apparent that if... Ephesus was to retain her influence as a seaport, the citizens would have to repent of their negligence and do their first works again. In AD 64, the city finally began dredging of the harbor. Wow. And Ephesus remained in its place for years to come. Over the centuries, the silting was allowed to go on unimpeded. Now the sea is six miles away from the ruins of Ephesus. Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy. And what crazy. was once the harbor of Ephesus is now a grassy, windswept plain. 
But a return to love does not imply a lessening of our theological standards. True love for Christ and his people requires the hatred of evil. And the Lord commends them for their steadfastness to this. Yet this you do not have. You, hate, you do have. You do have. You hate. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let's a reminder for anybody that's tuning in too late. When we keep quoting the Nicolaitans, we're going back to the first church that we started covering, which was Smyrna in um, Revelation chapter 2. He's re addressing the Nicolaitans in a lot of these letters. The Nicolaitans were essentially what I'm referring to as the woke church. People the, like, that literally believe church. in Jesus. Right. That you have to accept him as your savior. Yeah. But they accept all of this woke ideology. And not just even the woke. Like I could take that. The worldliness. Right? Like yeah. all of the the... The show basically saying that you can live in Christ without any boundaries in your. So it's morality. not even really just the woke church. That's an arm of it. But the other is like you said, if you're sleeping around grace, if you're looking at porn grace, oh, if, if you're, you're you just know, seeking, if you're going after the money and you're going after your money, go on. Be, you're not really in you, that. You climb made, the corporate ladder. Climb the seek corporate after all of these things yes. that the world loves. It's fine. God wants you to be. Yes. Do your own thing. You know, you don't have to pray about, you know, what job you're going to have or what property you're going to buy. Just God, that's what God's given you wisdom for. Just seek after the world and, and do the very best in the world that you possibly can. And God's going to bless you. Yeah. So, that's the Nicolaitans, yeah, which God hates. Yeah. He's like, I'd rather, I hate lukewarmness. I'd rather spew you now, out of my Unfortunately, I didn't know. I just thought you guys weren't very talkative tonight. The chat on Rumble has been frozen. Oh, shoot. And I just refreshed it on my end. And I just refreshed it. And you guys were leaving a ton of comments over here. And I apologize Go ahead, read some. that I have missed them. Um, Sherry, which we now have two Sherry's because Isaiah 4110 is Sherry. And then we've got Sherry Kua uh, on here as well. Says, it just occurred to me how much of our lives have been spent under demonic rule. Johnny Enlow quoted several scriptures which stated that the earth swallows up evil. She says another one, if the local churches would teach this. If the local churches would teach this and repent of their false narratives, we would experience so much healing and joy. She says, yeah. God Almighty set us free in the earth too through Jesus. And the earth is working alongside us to rid this earth of evil. I love this. Yeah. Uh, Salty Mama says, exactly straight up Nazi science continued from 1941. Um... Patriot Gallery talks about taking prayer out of school. Um, manger scenes are now illegal. That's, They've taken morals out of society, right. out of the church. Abortion was legal. It was part of the civil rights movement, and the schools taught the immorality also. The religion. Um, it says all good, wholesome laws and moral laws were changed like they were doing, like they are doing right now. It happened in the 1930s. Also, uh, Patriot Gallery says people missed the root. The love of counterfeiting money was the root of it all. Evil people, bankers, the FBI, the CIA were behind it all. Today, yeah. morals are being um, up, are an upheaval by the public schools, movies. Laws are changed by the courts, just like in 1930s, 1970s. And for he greed. hates it all, yeah. And she says, James 5, yeah. just repent of being a part of their organized crime financial system. Yeah. So Irenaeus uh, talks about the deeds of the, uh, the second century. Bishop Irenaeus says about the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans are the followers of that Nicholas, who was one of the seven first ordained uh, to the uh, diaconate by the apostles. They lead lives of unrestrained indulgence, teaching that it is a matter of indifference to practice adultery. It ain't. So porn, porn, porn or whatever. It ain't a matter of indifference. And to eat it's things sacrificed to idols. Wrong. It is sin. 
if Irenaeus is correct here, and he's the second century bishop, um, his viewpoint is certainly debatable. The deacon Nicholas, in Greek, Nicholas, had apostatized and become a false apostle, seeking to lead others into heresy and compromise with paganism. One thing is obvious. St. John is calling the heretical faction in Ephesus after someone called Nicholas, even if we allow that St. Irenaeus was confused about his identity. His reason appears to be based on linguistic considerations. For in Greek, Nicholas means conqueror of the people. Interestingly, in the third of the seven messages, St. John mentions a group of heretics in Pergamon, we just talked about, whom he calls the followers of Balaam in Hebrew. Balaam means conqueror of the people. Oh, interesting. St. John is making a play on words, linking the Nicolaitans of Ephesus with the Balaamites of Pergamon. In fact, he clearly tells us in 2, 14 through 15, that their doctrines are the same. Just as the Nicolaus and the Balaam are linguistic equivalents to one another, uh, the same technique in 9.11, they are theological equivalents as well. Yeah. The Nicolaitans and the Balaamites are participants in the same heretical cult. The conclusion is strengthened by a further connection. When we compare the actual teachings of the Nicolaitan Balaamite heresy with those of the Jezebel faction oh, of the Church on. of Thyatira, We're gonna get to that one. mentioned in the fourth message, we right. find that their doctrines are identical to each other. Oh. So it's the, the Jezebelites, the Balaamites, the, the Nicolaitans. It's all these these things, and we could call them the woke church. We could call them the LGBT craziness. Linda, we could call them yeah over here. Or no, excuse me. Don says these are those that refer to themselves as liberal Christians. Yes, of which you just can't be. The liberal Christians, I think Thank that you, would be Dawn. right in there. Yeah, for sure. The Jezebel faction in the church, Thyatira mentioned in the fourth message. We find that their doctrines are identical. Mm -hmm. There thus seems to be one particular heresy. That is the focus of these messages to the churches during the last days, a heresy seeking to seduce God's people into idolatry and fornication, worshiping something else, putting something else other than God and having sexual sin. And we are seeing since the 1960s, this major push of sexual sin in the church, in Christianity. Did God really say not to sleep around before marriage? Did God really say, and we have all these Christians out there. I mean, I would say that the majority of Christians listen to country music. How oh, in the world do you listen to country music? You because were about to fry a sacred cow. I like country music. Like, I like country mm -hmm. music in general. Like, the sound. Try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. But as our dear friend Kansas always says about country music, it's all about just rolling in the hay. This one it's wasn't, so, though. That one wasn't. No, no, no. no. But, like, if you song. listen to the country music oh, they're bad. station. I'm going to tell you something. It is, like, porn in words. And, you know, the women. Oh, y'all know it. So, we need men to are add. At porn, if men are looking at porn, women are listening to Shania Twain. Mm -hmm. That girl is a Jezebel. Mm -hmm. Oh, but, Leah, Shania's songs are so calm compared to the ones now. Don't you know that? Shania, Shania is, is the, a, the queen country singer. No, she's a witch. She's a sexual, perverted, fornicating Jezebel witch. I'm telling you, you listen to her music, you're going to go down. That, that Listening to Shania Twain, and I'm telling you because I've seen that woman even today, she's all about sex. She Everything she is, she is a, you know, she draws people in through sexual perversion. Oh my God. Like like a spider, and then she bites you, and then you go to hell. Yeah, I'm telling you. God hates. Here's the thing. If your music is about sexual encounters, mm -mm. It, is, it, is, it is the deeds of the Nicolaitans. 
You don't need to be singing about kissing, hugging, rolling in the hay uh -oh. with a nobody because you're visualizing it and you're and you're lusting in your heart after other people and other things. Oh, well, I'm just I'm singing that song about my spouse. Well, most people are not. <laughs> you you get you you write your own song about your spouse. How about that? And don't sing it for nobody because then they're going to gonna be envisioning it. And don't go to no concert with somebody else singing about the sex with their spouse. Or not spouse. And it's usually not their spouse. It's somebody that they slept with back in the 80s. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, the country singers now are younger, but back in the 2000s. You can, uh, you can sing good music. I'm saying there there is decent music out there. It doesn't have to be sexualized. Yeah. And if it's sexualized, then this is this is the that's that's the Jezebel faction. I'm about to uh, tell y'all. Oh, we just lost a ton of people on Facebook. Don't uh, you touch my sacred cow, my country music. We find that their doctrines are... Uh, Wow, it's hard, huh? It is a hard truth. Did we lose anybody on Rumble? We, we find that their doctrines are identical to each other. Uh, there thus seems to be one particular heresy. It's always somebody else's heresy. It's right. okay, if it's, but when you touch yours. Those sinning woke left people. Don't you talk about my country music now. I like that man in them tight jeans that takes his shirt off in the concert and wiggles his hips around. I like it. Isn't there a song about a sexy tractor or something? Oh, yes, you think my tractor's sexy. A heresy seeking to seduce God's people into idolatry and fornication. Oh, boy. As St. Paul had foretold, wolves had arisen from within the church uh, community attempting to devour the sheep. And it was the duty of the pastors and the messengers to be on guard against them and to put them out of the church. Jesus declares that he hates the deeds of Nicolaitans. Uh, his people are to show forth his image in loving uh, what he loves. To each of these messages, the letter to the church at Ephesus concludes... As with each of these messages, the letter to the church of Ephesus concludes by exhorting them to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Can you, you didn't want to hear what the Spirit had to say. Although the messages are different in terms of the needs of each congregation, the Spirit is issuing one basic command, overcome. The Greek verb is nikeo, which is interesting because it's the same root as the Nicolaitan. Overcome. Christ is wow. charging his church with the responsibility of overcoming those who seek to overcome her. You overcome. You, Nicole. You, Nicole. Uh, one side or the other will be the victor in this battle. Satan's opposition to the churches will appear in various forms, and different churches and different ages of the church will have different issues to face, different enemies to overcome. But uh, no matter what are the particular problems we are facing, each church is under divine mandate to conquer and completely overwhelm its opposition. The duty of overcoming is not something reserved for a select few super Christians who have dedicated themselves to God over and above the usual requirements for Christians. All Christians are overcomers. Whatever is born of God overcomes mm. the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. 1 John 5, 4. The Christians spoken of in Revelation overcame the devil because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. The question is not one of victory or defeat. The question, uh, the question is victory or treason. The Christian overcomes and to him, Christ grants the privilege to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of my God. That is not only an otherworldly hope, although the full consummation of this promise is brought at the end of when we go to heaven. Okay. But we get to, to at, at present, we are increasing the possession of the people of God as we obey our Lord and take dominion over the earth and we restore paradise. So 
All right. I think that that's it for tonight. We went over three churches. Hopefully next week, Jason will be back and we'll go over some more. This has been really fun, really great. And Michelle, do you have any final thoughts on how you can see how um, these particular, um, we've got Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamon, how these churches um, correspond to today? 100%. So each one has things they got going for them. God likes you doing this. God hates you doing this. Okay. So we see that in modern day Christianity. I'm not even going to break it up into denominations. I don't need to do that. Let me say something about Crossroads Church then. Because Crossroads Church gives a lot away. And they help people within their community. And they encourage um, people to adopt and to foster. And they help people who adopt and foster. And they they give some... The one friend that told me I was a heretic... Uh, they gave her a car, helping her to um, with her adoption, and so I'm not saying that you write all these churches off. Yeah, I'm just saying that there are particular deeds that, um, if you're going along with them, like the jab and the, the mandates and the masks and the LGBT and abortion, and you're you're like compromising on all these different issues to which issues. Here's the thing: if if you're thinking that you can't say it on in a room full of people because somebody might be uncomfortable, then that's probably an issue that um, the church needs to advance in. So where it's normal, we need to be back to where it's normal to have, okay, marriage is between a man and a woman. That that's normal. And that if you say anything against that, then those people are embarrassed, right? Those people are shamed. Those people, I can't say that here. Can I, you know, and yeah, go ahead. No, that's it. I just, I'm looking at Christians in, in different categories and there are a bunch of Christians that have a lot going for them. Like you talked about the reform bros, but I, again, I don't want to break it up into even just different theologies. There's just different Christians. Yeah. You know where you're at. All right. I got this going for me, but Oh, that hits home. And I want to work on that. And that's what these seven churches are so useful for because as on the one hand, God is such a gracious God. As a parent, he comes to you and it's like, do you want the good news first or do you want the bad news first? Okay, good news is you got this, 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 and this going for you. Bad news is you don't have this going for you and I hate it. Okay, I hate it. And so this message that is urgent that Corey Gray has that he's given us and then the guys did a phenomenal job of, if you did, if you, again, if you missed that on Monday, you need to go back and watch it. For those of you that are watching this way down the line, you can find the video. It's just called Sound the Alarm, Sounding mm-hmm. the Alarm. Um, right now, it is in, it's pertinent that we get these things that God hates right, yeah. right now. Right now, right now, right now. And for uh, the past year or two, yeah. actually, it's probably been a, a, about two years, yeah. two years that Lee and I on this show have been getting, getting prophetic words that there is a storm coming, there is a tsunami coming, and we must be getting on these boats of safety because the judgment is coming. And if you do not get your life right with God, judgment may sweep you away and you may find yourself before the throne of God and not in hell, but your life was shortened. Yeah, that's true. There's a, there is a judgment okay? coming. That kind of judgment is coming. Yeah. That kind of, so do you, this, we watched Hacksaw Ridge this week with Uncle Jack. That is such a phenomenal movie about a man who was a conscientious objector as far as he couldn't kill because he was a Seventh-day Adventist. 
and he rescues a bunch of, but he wants to be in and they ridicule him yeah. and they try to kick him out and he stays yeah he gets to stay and then you'll be useless because you won't pick up a gun you won't kill anybody yeah but he ends up saving the lives of countless men by dragging them by himself to be lowered down to be then taken away and rescued and people are like where are all these guys coming from they're being rescued. Well, how many people rescue him? Just one. It's just the one guy. And they're like, no, no way. And he depicts something in the movie that you then see the actual guy that the movie is about. At the end of the film, they show a video yeah. of him. And he keeps saying, God, help me get one yeah. more. God, help me get one more. God, help me get one more. Yeah. And guys, I'm going to be honest. I feel that my ministry will change should the Lord bless me with children and I move on to, to that next level. And sometimes I go, God, I just am so ready to be done with this, you know, on the front lines thing that we do called resistance chicks. Not that I don't love doing the work, but it's, it is a work and it is a yeah. lot and getting into prayer to bring you guys things and, and fighting these battles. And yeah. I had a repentant moment after I saw that film, you know what? If I get married and have children when I'm 80, God, let me get one more. And I started saying that after we saw that. I was laying in bed that night and I was like, God, please just let me get one more. I will stay on the front lines yeah. for as long as you can move me, as, or as long as you can use me and move me. Yeah. God, help me get one more. And that's where we need to be. And we need to move our minds uh, from just filling up this life to... We really need to be storing up treasures in heaven. And how yeah. do we store up those treasures in heaven? And it's not about, yes, it is about getting one more. Um, but you're storing up treasures in heaven when you do. You store up treasures in heaven when you walk in the love of God and the spirit of God. And the more you walk with him yeah. in every single area. So if you are washing your clothes, if you're raising your kids, if you are, um, whatever you're doing, you do unto Christ, you're storing up treasures in heaven when you, if you walk in the walk with God. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. When you are exemplifying the fruit of the spirit in your life and you are walking with him and he's walking amongst you and you're going against the deeds of the Nicolaitans and you're calling out the, 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 you know, false prophets and, and you're not walking in idolatry and you're wa not walking in fornication and you're, and you're coming against the evil and you're resisting to the point of hardship. Um, you're storing up treasures in heaven Yeah, and God sees you and he does want you to be blessed. You don't have to go through hardship to store up treasure in heaven. But if you are going through hardship, you are storing up treasure in heaven. Yeah. Okay. The, the church in China is storing up a ma massive amounts of treasure in heaven. So they can wake up every day and say, God, whatever it is that I'm doing here right now, I know that I'm going to be free. Yeah. I know I'm going to have whatever land you have for me because the, this life doesn't end. When you die at 120 years old or whatever, you don't die. Yeah. So if you're putting off your inheritance, you're just putting it off. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, really, the analogy that the Lord gave me in the middle of the show is the perfect analogy. You're just putting it off. You're just but putting you're it off. rich. But you will get every, all the promises of Abraham are yours. Amen. Land, fields, everything. Whether in this life or in the life to come. Mm-hmm. There are rewards for everything that yeah. you do as a believer. So the current urgent prophetic and that's, word. That's the word that I want to leave you with is if you repent, you get the, you get the white stone, you get to eat the feast, you get yeah. to eat the hidden manna. You have that life and you never die. That hidden manna, Michelle, literally means you don't die. So, the, really so there's never. It's heaven's breath. If, if you're an eternal being. Yeah. You'll get what you, what the Gentiles seek. Amen. 
You'll get it. You will get it, whether now or later. Okay? And I just want to encourage you that all of these things are yours. The eat of the tree of life. The hidden manna. You get the stone with your name written on it. And you get a new name. And what does that mean? He That means the king claims you as his. And you're in his dominion. So when you... When this, when this shell passed away, this is why the pilgrims love this book. The pilgrims love Revelation because they could see, oh, I got that white stone. I don't, man, if I die, whatever, man, I'm living, living forever, man. It's okay. It's okay to say goodbye. If I'm into hardship, I'm living forever. I'll see you again, man. Okay. It's just this life here on earth was shortened, but eternity in, in, in comparison to eternity, but God doesn't, but God wants you to overcome. Mm. And guess what? He let every single church know the persecution that they would have to go go through right and he would say well, the reward that they would get there's a martyr's reward there's a suffering reward that's different than than what other people get yeah. there are rewards for what you go through in this life right. so um and i know you want to end on that word but i do want to get back to this other word and this is and you said something this week to the guys that's so important about monday's show when i tell you all to repent yes we all need to repent but if you're tuning in to Revelation Red Pill, the reason why we're here is to give you the word to give to others because you're a minister. Yeah. So it's not so much we're speaking to you guys. Hey, Resistance Chicks family, repent, repent, repent. This is all on you guys. No, 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 no. Yeah. We are a team, okay, of captains. We, and I'm telling you, gather in everybody because you are being sent out to give this yeah. urgent current message right now. That word that Leah just gave you is kind of like a private word. If you're in this fight, this is for you. Know that this is, you've got that robe, you've got that crown, you've got the stone, you've got the whole nine, you're going to get your rewards. But for tonight, until we get to the August 13th, especially... You guys came here to get this current urgent message. When we look at these churches, you need to go back to everybody that you know that's a Christian, especially. The world definitely needs to repent. That goes without saying. But right now, the word is for specifically Christians. Turn or burn, man. Stop porn or be destroyed. Stop sex trafficking. Repent of the fiat dollar. We have got to get our house in order because judgment is coming. And I said this this week to the guys. God's wrath has been stayed for as long as it possibly can. So as many people can get on their boats of safety as possibly can. But at some point, like Abraham Lincoln said, I tremble to think that we serve a God that is just and his justice does not sleep forever. And God's justice is about to wake up. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to have to do that again on its own video because not everybody's tuning into Revelation Red Pill. But this is the message that you yeah. guys came to get. Yeah. To then go and give to other people because you're on the team. Yeah. And you're being sent out with this message. All right. So I'm going to read a couple of comments and then we'll say goodnight. Um, Isaiah 41.10 says, I'm not a country music person. I gravitated towards the blatantly bad rock and roll. I can see that about you. Uh, James says, the censorship of the 1960s kept all of the oversexed tunes in check much more. That type of censorship that he's talking about... I actually agree with that type of censorship. Um, Truth announced says, play country music backwards and you get your wife, your truck, and your dog back. That's so good. Very true. Um, and thank you guys for saying thank you. We, we really, really appreciate you guys. Let me go over here and check DLive real quick, and then I'll check the Facebook comments as well. Um, 
I think those are just from Patriot Gallery. So what did she say about Catherine Austin Fitz? I'm going to go back over here. She says, Catherine Austin Fitz just reported that the deep state gets men to see just for a second and then gets men to click on it. Um, porn and child porn, etc. Now the government keeps control and files on pastors and mayors and governors, and then they pull it out when they want that person to do what they want them to do. Yeah. Um, that's very, very well said, mom. Um, Don says, most of these country singers are even frauds. They do not have a country bone in their body. They are wearing a country face, a cowboy hat and a pair of boots, and of course, tight clothes with their country twang, and they are city living libs. Put um put where those in charge think that they will succeed. Well said. Dale Day then said, tell it like it is, ladies. Love you both. Preach on. Thank you. Dale. Right. And I'm just going to end with this. I'm going to play um just the 60 seconds from Lynette. My mom uh, wants us to kind of all be aware of the Fed Now accounts. Uh, so we're going to talk about this later. So this is kind of a, a preview of our show that's going to be on Friday. So play, play the next. The system launched four days ago. And there are major concerns about how this infrastructure could lead to central bank digital currencies and the reset of the U.S. dollar. Your money is becoming less and less safe by the day. One of our clients received a suspicious letter from their bank telling them that there were some exciting changes coming. The letter said most of their account information would stay the same and their online experience would be changing and some account features I asked to see the prospectus, and after days of digging, I just confirmed that FedNow was behind these changes. And I'll show you how they're doing it without you knowing it. Because I've been saying for years that the shift is going to happen without you knowing. And by the time it, you know, it'll be too late to do anything about it. This is about how to do your own digging, how to read between the lines and how to protect your assets from financial manipulation and control coming up. Okay. So, um, we're going to play a little bit more of that on Friday. Cause, uh, guys, uh, in the midst of all the craziness happening right now, mm. they want to sink the economy. And so, um, we are encouraging you guys to visit ITM trading and get out of the system. Get on to God's money, gold and silver, and talk to ITM Trading. If you've got some savings, if you have an IRA, if you've got um, a four, four, oh, oh, I see one. 401k. I forget which one it is because I don't have one. And if you guys want to know how to get out of the system before it crashes, give them a call. Um, we have a phone number there. I'm telling you, the FedNow accounts went live like four days ago. Everything changes after this, guys. I am telling you. I am I'm not, telling this you. This isn't like you. this isn't a joke. This is not a game. Like this is legit. If you don't hold it in your hands, you don't own it. I don't care what you think your so, cash money is going to do. This I is don't the care trade guilds going to save you. This is the trade guilds we're talking about. Gold and silver is the only this safety. Is, this is and the land. eating the food sacrificed to idols. Yeah. Okay. Remember the trade guilds of the time. The the buying and the selling for the mark of the beast was being part of the trade guilds. And in order to be part of the trade guilds, you had to go to these meetings and you had to eat the food, sacrifice to idols. And you're like, oh, this food, no big deal. No, this was an imperial cult. It was a system. Okay, it was a religious system, right? And so this system, this FedNow system is part of their cult. If, we're get, if we become part of this, that's eating food, sacrifice to idols. That is the mark of the beast, getting part of but their system. But not like an end times mark of the beast. It's just like 
Mark of the Beast. Like this, this continues to play out. No, it's continuing to play out over and over and over again. Exactly. So I love that you guys are here. Thank you for joining us. Watch the whole thing. We did three churches. We're going to come back and do three more churches. And what we're doing is we're breaking them down. We're showing you that revelation has been fulfilled, but just like we can apply any other scripture to today. We're applying these scriptures to today and we're breaking it down and seeing and where the church out. is today. Look out because God is coming to punish people with the sword of his mouth. But those who overcome, if you guys stay true, you, yes. get, you get all the rewards. You get to eat of the tree of life. You're going to overcome. But guys, I'm telling you what he is saying in the churches to the churches. If you, if they didn't repent, they didn't get to eat of the tree of life, which means they weren't Christians anymore. Just saying a prayer and saying Jesus is Lord, that's not it. You have to overcome. You have to overcome. This is this is legit. This is real deal. It says he who overcomes is not touched by the second death. Not if you stay a part of the Nicolaitans and you don't overcome, that second death touches you means you don't you don't go to heaven. Right. I know that that's a harsh thing. Okay? But, but I think your is, soul is on the line. Not here. just you don't go to heaven, right? But all these blessings, all the protection. When we talk about, you know, I've got the the thing. I, I got to I know. I got to go. Um, we talk about all this all the time. I don't care if you don't have any money. This is for people that do have. We're trying to get tell you to get out. What I am telling you is you will survive and thrive on the other side of this if you are repentant and you're obeying. And by God. repenting it, when I'm telling you to go to ITM trading, you know what I'm telling you? Repent. Repent. Get out of the system. Right. If you've got a lot of money, let's say you've got $100,000, you're in the system. Repent. That's why I'm telling you to get it out. Because the more money, more cash money you have, the more you're in the idolatry system. Right. Repent. Get it out. Put it in God's golden money. Put it in gold and silver. Put it in um, put it in land. Put it in anything that doesn't have us just unjust weights or balances. Right. Because all this fiat dollars is just the less you have the uh, of fiat dollars, the fiat dollars, the better off you are. In God's eyes, I'm telling you, because that it's they that is a counterfeit press, printing press. Give it away, b b build your bodega, buy some land, do something with it, but don't hang on to it. Real quick, we need to pray for. Uh, I know Leah needs to go. Yes. Um, Cynthia Mahaney, 12 on Rumble says, "Pray for my husband, my marriage. My husband is heavily addicted to porn." Oh. So we're going to pray for that right now in the name of Jesus. We come before you as a whole body of believers. Everybody that's watching yeah. this, even if you're watching it after the fact, I want you to reach your hands toward the screen. I want you to start praying for Cynthia. If you pray in a heavenly language, I want you to start praying in this heavenly language right now in the name of Jesus. We bind and gag Satan from coming after Cynthia's husband. You have no hold. You have no authority. We are standing as a, a one in one accord. Cynthia, right now, you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, not just those of us that are a part of the Resistance Chicks family, not just those of us that are watching and tuning into Revelation Red Pill, but, but witnesses that have gone before and saints that have gone before that say, Satan, you have no hold and you have no grip over this righteous woman's husband and you must flee in the name of Jesus. Whatever happened to your husband as a child, we are calling null and void. We are breaking every soul tie that he ever made with any uh, woman that he looked at or an affair that he ever had in the name of Jesus. 
There is no depth to which your husband is sunk that God cannot go and get him. And right now we are standing and we are breaking this demonic hold in the name of Jesus. And in place of this demonic hold, we want to fill your husband with the Holy Ghost. So right now, Father God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit start to uh, descend on and in Cynthia's husband in the name of Jesus. That he feel your warmth and your depth and it will start to tingle over his whole body. And he will be miraculously set free and he will have a testimony to tell that God set him free that he was addicted to this but now he has had a complete repentance which is a change of mind and we command that change of mind to take place in the name of Jesus we command everything in his mind to coalesce into one which is loving God and obeying God and we break off every chain and every demonic stronghold on his mind in the name of Jesus and God whatever you have to do even if you have to break his computer or break his cell phone get them out to the country get them out on land show him what it means to be a real man and a protector and I just pray that every time this thing were to come in front of his face all he sees is a demon and he does not see the pornography all he can see is no I would never allow a demon inside of my mind inside of my heart inside of my soul or inside of my house or my family so Father God I just pray that you give him eyes to see what is actually happening in the spirit realm and the ramifications torment him at night if you have to but God I just ask that you set him completely free and set him on the path that he is called to be on to be the man that he is called to be and I just pray that you give Cynthia grace and you give her a, a heavenly language to be able to pray out in the spirit how to pray for her husband and Cynthia if you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost I want you to say right now Father God fill me with your Holy Ghost fire I surrender myself to you I want to be baptized in your Holy Spirit so that I can pray for my husband and I can take authority over this in the name of Jesus because there is nothing more righteous than a than a woman that is praying for her husband to be set free from the demonic strongholds of pornography this is a righteous prayer and doing so in a heavenly language where you are praying out the perfect will of God because Cynthia you can't know what God wants you to pray but in the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit you can know what God, what is happening where are these strongholds so ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit if you're not already filled with the Holy Spirit and if you are already filled with the Holy Spirit then your job is to be praying over your husband in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, in a spiritual and heavenly language so that you can pray out that perfect will of God. And we stand with you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this, Father God. We thank you that you have given us all power and authority over all the power of the enemy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, wow. I don't break out in the in praying in tongues instead of English there. We break this bond. I'm telling you something. You're about to see a shift. And Cynthia, this is a prophetic word for you. Your husband is going to be set free from pornography as the church is set free from pornography. Because it is, it is a disease. It is a virus that is worse than anything that they could unleash. You know, everybody's so afraid of the next thing that they're going to unleash. Meanwhile, wow. we don't know that we are, li we literally have, and it is, it is more contagious. It is more deadly. It is more damaging than anything that COVID ever did or could do. It's already here. And God wants us to eradicate it. And we are going to do so in the name of Jesus. All right. We love you guys. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory. If it's actually the truth, we'll see you on Friday for our 
weekly roundup of news and again on Sunday for our world news report. So on Friday, that starts at 6 p.m. on brighteon.tv and then the after show right here on Rumble and all of our other favorite live places like Facebook. Um, and then on Sunday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then, of course, we want you guys to stay tuned every week right here on Wednesdays for Revelation Red Pill Wednesday, where you can't get anything like this anywhere else. And I am so thankful for each and every single one of you. When I think about the fact that you guys are watching us in your home with your family, my heart swells. The feedback that we get from you guys, you don't even know. It's overwhelming. It's just phenomenal. We love hearing testimonies from you guys. And we are going to wait to hear a testimony um, from Cynthia about her husband. And guys, I want you guys to continue to pray for Cynthia's husband moving forward. Um, we're not giving up on this one. All right, you guys, we'll see you next time right here. Revelation Red Pill Wednesday, the best show on the internet. Bye guys. You call my name